0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Inking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host with the most, Rob Santos, joined by the notorious Drew McCaffrey. How's it going, everybody? And today we have a wild episode to dive into. For those who haven't noticed, I'd assume you clicked on the episode title, so how can you not have? We've reached 100 episodes on our regularly scheduled content. Truth be told, time of this recording, we're actually about 106 episodes recorded, Plus the patron exclusive (laughs) episodes, a couple of bonus early review features like Rhythm of War and House of Sticks. But it is time to finally celebrate. And joining us today on our 100-episode celebration are none other than our sound engineer, Mr. Pat McCaffrey.
1: I've been trying to think of something that rhymes with McCaffrey.
0: Mm, Maybe (laughs) edit it in post. Insert it. (laughs) Make it seamless. And our supreme leader... Jared Livingston is with us. What's up, Jared?
2: Hello, minions.
0: (laughs) Oh, he's a supreme leader again, huh? I don't know how I feel about that. Again? Did I use supreme leader before? He was something like that. Oh, no. I may have screwed up 30 seconds into our episode, (laughs) gentlemen, but that just means it's all the more authentic and genuine. Drew, what the hell are we going to expect for today?
3: All right. So we got a bunch of fun stuff planned Uh, with the four of us over the course of this episode. We're going to be talking about uh, each of us will be choosing our three kind of favorite characters throughout all of science fiction and fantasy. And then we will also be talking about our three least favorite or most hated characters. Um, And and we'll we'll get into the, the weeds with that in just a minute here. But we will also be doing a couple of fun things. On top of that, Rob and I will be reading live our own original fiction. Uh, I believe Rob has a a scene selected from the novel, the fantasy novel he's working on right now. And I have a short story of my own that I'll be reading in a little bit. We'll be talking about those. We have a couple of signed book giveaways. Hope you're a fan of Brandon Sanderson because we got some... Some primo stuff lined up for that, and we have a fan ask me anything or ask us anything uh, lined up later on in the episode as well. We we fielded a bunch of questions. I think we got a good, uh, you know, a good sampling to discuss later on. And then, of course, we'll do a final draft because it's not an inking out loud episode without a final draft.
1: All right, I'm ready.
3: So, uh, with the, the three favorite characters, obviously this can be like, you know, I like the idea of this character, or I think this character is really, really well written. So yeah, uh, we'll be, we'll be kind of going over our favorite characters here. And like we always do with our, uh, three favorite scenes at the end of our coverage of books, we'll be doing the rounds. So, uh, who wants to go first? Pick your, your,
0: one of your three favorite characters to read about. I'll volunteer. I'll volunteer since it gives me first choice for number one right
3: yeah okay
0: all right so my third favorite my third favorite actually I wasn't actually prepared to say this one so early um here we go Aiden from the Illuminae files mm. Drew, you know who I'm talking about Jared and Pat mm-hmm. I highly doubt you know who I'm talking about I do Jared. not hmm Aiden is a well actually Aiden I'll just give you the acronym stands for advanced intelligence Wait, hold on. Artificial Intelligence Defense Analytics Network. He is an AI. Ah. It's, uh,
3: yeah. That, that's a good choice. Thank um, you. But we, we will be talking about Aiden and the Illuminae Files in just a couple of can't believe weeks I'm here, will so. the
0: acronym, yeah. All right, so <laughs> Aiden from the Illuminate <laughs> Files stands as third place for my favorite characters in epic fantasy slash sci-fi. Interesting.
1: All right. Ooh,
0: why? <laughs> read and find out. I can't, it's hard to explain why. <laughs> <laughs> he's, it, there's, there's a lot of uh, familiar trope touching there with like the, the, the construct trying to be human, trying to figure out what it means to be human. But in a weird way, he is the most human one in all of our characters because of circumstance. It's, uh, there's some very gorgeous writing on the part of Jay Kristoff and Amy Kaufman. With uh, He's just got some absolute beautiful lyricism to the way this AI looks at the world and how he describes the world
3: okay all right uh who wants to go next
1: um i'll go don't everybody (laughs) jump at once (laughs) <laughs> yeah geez i'm like
3: i'm trying to go last over here you know to kind of bookend the way we normally do uh,
2: my <laughs> i'm trying for some strategy, so if someone takes mine i can <laughs> throw in a backup Ooh.
0: jared does have a pretty unfortunate track record with his favorites things Terrible. being stolen by drew or i before I,
1: <laughs> I highly doubt that i'm going to be stepping on anyone else's picks uh for this point. yeah my third favorite is hashi led from the gap cycle
2: Ooh! No, I, yeah, Good one. I
1: can't. Um, I, w- I was thinking about why I like him so much, um, and I'm going to try and avoid any sort of spoiler here because he doesn't come mm-hmm. in. Re- I mean, he's in the second book, but he doesn't do much. Yeah. Um, it's really books three through five that he, that he shines. Um, the, the thing that I like about him probably the most is that he's a smart character who's believably smart. A lot of authors try and write smart characters that just, it, 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 it falls flat for me. Like Yasu yeah. doesn't seem particularly intelligent to me. At least she doesn't seem way more intelligent than any other person in the series. What um, did you just say? Uh, you heard. <laughs> <laughs> you heard. But Hashi is, Hashi is brilliant, and it's he's believably brilliant.
2: There are several uh, characters from that. That are yeah. highly intriguing.
1: There's going to be another uh, one on the list. Here yeah, soon, so.
3: yeah. We'll we'll have other characters from this series feature uh, later on in the episode. I'm sure. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> here I
0: am, the odd man out who hasn't read yet the Gap Cycle.
3: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this: uh, like the Illuminae Files, we will almost certainly be covering the Gap Cycle later this year. So,
1: um, excellent. He's also he's also useful in a very unique way. mm Hmm. Um, and despite the fact that he, he comes across as, like, egotistical and self-absorbed at times, I really love where his character ended up uh, toward the end.
3: Yes. So, yeah. uh, and I'm really glad that you brought up Hashi as one of your favorites, because he's not just, like, a a character who you can unabashedly root for oh, you know no, like he's complicated Yeah. and yeah. and I know a couple of my characters are similarly going to be complicated. Oh <laughs> I already know who
0: one of your characters is I won't say but I think I know. We might shoot we might have
1: some overlap or dang it. Ooh possibly oh. possibly.
0: The plot okay. thickens.
1: Yeah but um, uh, like Drew says he does some kind of duplicitous shit. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah,
3: he—he's not morally the most upright person.
1: No, but but once you get in his head, it actually it all falls into place.
3: Yeah, it, there's there's a certain um, kind of oh oh how do you put it um, like philosophical aspect to him and and to uh, another character in the Gap Cycle. Where they really buy into the idea of the ends justify the means, right? But they do it in a really compelling way.
1: <laughs> right. Usually, I hate that philosophy, but uh, right like for, with him, I found it compelling for some reason that I can't exactly put my finger on.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if if this intrigues you, by all means, go go check out uh, the Gap Cycle by Stephen R. Donaldson. The first book is called The Real Story. Though uh, that recommendation does come with a warning. It is quite violent, and and gets dark at uh, uh, very quickly. So I've heard
1: <laughs> almost instantly, actually.
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much right away.
1: Let's see what happens on page two. <laughs>
3: well, more like page thirty, but yeah. Okay. It it competes um, with
2: uh, Acts of Cain for some. Yeah, I,
3: like I don't think um, I don't think the Gap Cycle ever quite reaches the. Darkest depths of, for instance, Blade of Tai shall
0: Uh huh.
3: But the series overall, I think, is darker than Kane. I, because
1: it, I struggle to wrap my mind around that because I have read Kane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how. I just. How? We'll have, we'll have lots of discussion about this in the future. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will. For but, uh, sure. All um, right. I'm getting curious now. Who's your third?
2: So my number three is Tyrion Lannister.
0: Ooh, Ooh. excellent character! Excellent character! Very nice.
2: Um, Why you? Here you have a guy who is not physically intimidating. He's not magically intimidating with some sort of power, but he's extremely smart, politically gifted. Um, Fun read. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. I can agree. Mm
0: -hmm. I have read. The first two books, and I've seen the entirety of the show. I, I, I realize that is a failing of mine. I need to read the rest of Game of Thrones. Well, I should say the Game of Thrones. A Song of Ice and Fire, if I wasn't being a total noob right now. <laughs> but I kind of refuse <laughs> to do so until that asshole finishes his series.
2: If you finish the show, um, honestly, like, eh. Yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> From, I'm, sorry,
3: I'm, I'm, else personally, yeah. I'm not going to bother reading anymore. Uh, I, I got my ending. I can move on. Um, but yeah, but Jared I I think man. that is a a pretty <laughs> a pretty solid choice. Uh, Tyrion is very entertaining to read about. Oh my goodness. Certainly one of
1: those characters who is believably really smart.
2: Right. I like understand. he's certainly not yeah. he's certainly not perfect. He fucks up. Right.
0: <laughs> Clever. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And exactly. I, I do like the fact that they kept a lot of his greatest one-liners from the book in the show. Yes. <laughs> yes. How would you like to die, Tyrion Lannister? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Very good. Very good. All right. Drew, your third favorite. Who are we looking at?
3: My what? third favorite character in in all of the books that I've read, science fiction, fantasy, you know, historical fiction, is the lady from the Black Company.
0: Mm, yep. There she is. I was wondering. Really? The hmm.
3: No idea? I, I love the complicated depths to her. Uh, I, I love the the changes she undergoes throughout the series, and yet the ways she stays the same. Uh, Glenn Cook doesn't change her for the sake of, like, oh, just manufacturing character development. Everything makes sense in its own internally twisted way because this is the lady. And
1: I, I love like oh. how all of our third favorites so far have not been your classical hero figures. They've all been people. Yeah, you know, I mean, with the exception of Aiden, possibly. I I, I don't know. But everyone's no. a little bit on the on the questionable side at times. There's a gray
2: area.
3: Hey, I, mm-hmm. I I'll say I haven't read all of Illumina yet. I've only read the first book, uh, but. Even in the first book, I, I would not say Aiden classifies as a, a, a stereotypical classical hero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> very, very much not. And for a lot of the rest of the series, too. Which, which yeah. actually brings me to another question. that we, we probably should have established this at the beginning of our segment here. Um, spoilers. To, to explain why these characters are, are so loved amongst our personal choices, we're going to have to spoil some shit. I think, depending well, on how I, dexterous you are with your word choice. I,
3: I, I mean, I, I think we've gone through one round here. We haven't spoiled any plot points. I'm about I to think for
0: number two. <laughs> oh. It's gonna be a little hard not to, actually. All right. Well, uh, uh, warning uh, for whatever <laughs> book
3: series Rob <laughs> is about to assign <laughs> the character from. Uh, maybe skip ahead uh, a couple read of the minutes. You the real time
0: for my number two. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Sorry, I, I, did I cut you off there? I probably cut you off there. I have a habit of doing that. No, no, no. Uh, if you want to go ahead into your, your second favorite, okay. go for it. All right, so my second favorite, Moiraine Damodred from The Wheel of Time. Uh, really? yeah Good one. Good one. Yes. She is just amazing. It's so hard to like her for the first half of the series. Well, I mean, it's... Yeah, it is kind of hard to like her, very blatantly hard to like her at certain points of the first half of the series. But she does become so much more sympathetic closer to the end in what she is as a person. The the strength that she shows despite the fact that she is small of stature, she's feminine, she's still strong, she's elegant, she's graceful. And she she just keeps so many of our most vital characters pointed towards what is the end. And she never, ever loses focus on that. But she still has a much more frail human side that we get to see. We get glimpses of near the end. And these frail moments are all the more rewarding for it. When you get to see that humanity out of Moiraine at the end of Towers of Midnight and during, you know, uh, a memory of light. She's just, Moiraine, it could be because I I first, I was introduced to Moiraine when I was 10 years old. But she has always been at the top of my list for some of my favorite characters of all time and for this list hasty as it was as i was struggling to do it half an hour before we went live Warren does take my number two she's just fucking phenomenal
2: it's like, interesting like, that you like, say <clears throat> when you were 10 years old because i think my opinion of her changed from the first time i read *Wheel of time to like I don't know my latest couple of rereads of it where i think i have a lot more respect for her the older i am than when i first read her
1: yeah that was something we touched on in our wheel of time episodes mm-hmm. like, i didn't always like moraine as much as i do now
0: yeah that's yep.
1: exactly like she oh, was. certainly not yeah.
0: so but I, number I two
1: think we we get to see her some more human moments from her more often than than what you were suggesting
0: Okay, I think I, think I know few, what you're about
1: to say. Yeah. I mean, uh, just a few with, moments earlier on, it, like Fires in book of four, Heaven. one in book three. Yeah, okay. Um, Fires of Heaven is has my favorite Warren stuff. Mm-hmm. Period. I, I with Pat on this one. Uh, you guys I actually
0: raise a Heaven very is very valid point. Yeah, yeah, I was very when she's in her, generalizing for the first half of that. But you're right. You're totally yeah. right. There are moments in book five that are just like it's. Quintessential that, mean, Those are some of the moments that elevate *Fires of Heaven* to me to
1: some of my favorite *Wheel of Time*. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's I think it's well, underrated, but
2: <clears throat> I think rereading it, knowing why she's acting the way she is and making the choices that she does.
0: Fearless. That woman is fearless. <laughs> Not fearless. Yeah. She's. She's brave. Uh, good. Good word choice, Jared. Choices. come on why Drew why didn't you why why Uh, choices of of all words for those who who are who have read the wheel of time and are still somewhat uh, confused by what Drew just made a callback to just go read uh, go read your favorite chapter of that book and you'll see what he's talking about yeah,
2: I want to see Drew in a Wheel of Time trivia contest where it's just chapter titles from the series. <laughs> I would crush that. Yeah, you,
0: I, you know what? I think I'd give you a run for your money up through up until book seven or eight, and then I yeah. It's getting complicated because the, some of the, the
1: chapter uh, titles are the same. Yeah, sure. I'm aware. Leave taking, hey. true, true. Right? Yeah, I th- there there are
3: I believe two chapters called Leave Takings and one called Leave Taking. Oh, I, what? Really? <laughs> Dang. I, I'd have to double-check that, but I, I know there are multiple chapters uh, in the series with that that theme, and and not all of them have the S. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't notice that.
0: The third leaf
1: tape. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Mm. All right, so. Pat, your second favorite? Did my go run? So I decided when I was doing this list that I would go for, like, half-assed archetypes. And so my entry hmm. for the anti-hero archetype oh. would be Severian from the Book of
0: the New Sun. Okay, so I was going to ask about that later because I have you know what? No, I'm just I'm gonna leave it for now, and you'll see why I was going to ask about it later. So <laughs> okay. Severian, tell me about this guy. Okay. Um,
1: he's a bad person. Yes, so he is. Yes. Started, um, and but he's put in this role of like redeemer. Right? Mm-hmm. But what I love about it, like uh, there's a million Christ figures in, in science fiction and fantasy, and not just in books, but in movies too. But he's, he's not like that. In the words of the author, he's not a Christ figure, but he is a Christian figure, meaning that his struggle is that he, he's a bad person who's trying to become better. He, he eventually he starts trying to make the effort. And he is actually, I would say that he's successful to some degree. He never becomes perfect, which I think is a, is a beautiful way to do a character like that. They can struggle, uh, and sometimes they succeed, and sometimes they fail, but the job is never done. It's something he's, he has to be working on all the time. Uh, not to mention, I mean, there's other great things about him. Uh, just, I mean, he's written so well. Yes.
2: Uh, I, I, you want to talk don't about
1: words for it because I'm not Gene books.
2: But. You want to talk about books that you ha- like must reread?
0: Oh, <laughs> Book yeah. of the New Sun. <laughs> well, this is Book of the New Sun. This is Gene Wolfe. Yes. yes. Why did I hear Donaldson? Why did I think that was Gap Cycle? That Sever- oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah. Okay. I'm just reeling. Sorry. Okay. okay. I can see why Severian is so badass now because I know how much esteem Drew holds Gene Wolfe in.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, when, when you get there, Rob, I th- you'll be picking up what I'm putting down. Like he.
0: When I get yeah. there,
1: I like the yeah. sound of that. Like sometimes he's such a bastard, but. <laughs> oh. But <laughs> he does some horrible things. Oh. But then I, I would say he has a successful redemption arc. hmm And and that's kind of what we want to see for the anti-hero. So yeah. There yeah. You go.
3: Jared, your second favorite?
2: So my second favorite was chosen for the complete opposite reasons from Pat. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay.
2: <laughs> uh, I went with Faramir from Lord of the Rings. Oh, mm.
1: Solid.
0: Very nice. And I have
2: to say right off the bat, book Faramir, not film Faramir.
0: Not, um, yes. David Wernham? Yes. I think oh. that's his name, David Warnum, right? Yeah, yeah. Not uh, to say that, not to say
2: that that performance, yeah, the acting action. performance was good <laughs> in the movies, but it veered greatly from Wenham. the entire purpose yeah. of his character in the books. Yeah,
0: Wernham, yes. I got that name correct. <laughs> David Wenham. Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Farabay. you can't help, you can't not help, you can't help but not love him, right? You, you can't help
3: but love him. You
2: <laughs> Can't help but love him. <laughs> you know what I mean.
1: Yes. The complete the character in the movie, but I'm right. Yeah. There.
2: Yes. Yes. Completely. I mean, the whole point of his character is that he his relationship with the ring is completely foiled from Boromir's. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. He's he's the one like the one character who encounters the ring and resists its temptation. I
2: mean, like humorally. even Frodo. Like, <laughs> Any of them, yeah. anyone.
1: Yeah. You know, to, to quote him, I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I love only that which they defend. <sighs> like, it's beautiful. And if there was anything and to sum up his character that right there. And
3: and I'll just put this in here. Anybody who says Jor uh J. R. R. Tolkien was not a good writer or his writing is boring or dry. Wait, people say still that? wrong, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I don't think like, maybe there are some people some Oh, people.
3: there are many people who say some- that. I mean, in, I most have of them like, never got past, like, page 50 of Fellowship of the Ring.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, well, that, that's the context I need there. Because, yeah, I mean, I've I I myself formed mudsuckers who are perhaps more... <laughs> censored, but, yeah, I feel oh. like Craig Hanks would be absolutely brilliant of a person to to ask about this in particular.
3: Oh, yeah, oh, he, yeah. he loves going off. Lord of the Rings and everything skill. Tolkien's done.
2: Oh, yeah. As for him as a writer, I mean, Jesus, like, you could go on entire episodes on many different characters, single characters from those books. Yeah, uh,
0: Absolutely. And I mean, absolutely. also with Faramir, excellent source of memes. Just gonna throw <laughs> that out there. <laughs>
1: A character's meme value generation is not to be taken lightly. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, uh, my second
3: favorite character uh, as Pat predicted there was overlap. My second oh. favorite character is also Severian of the Guild of Torturers. Because of um, an intelligent person. <laughs> uh, it, for many of the reasons that Pat has already cited, but also the fact that, um, to take it a step further, Gene Wolfe himself was a Catholic man, a, a deeply religious. Uh, ardent Catholic. And he chose to write what is essentially his magnum opus, you know, the the Book of the New Sun, with a character who could have very easily become a copy-pasted Christ figure. And as Pat noted, he is not a Christ figure. He's a Christian figure. And while there are some um, thematic similarities and, and symbolism around him that is uh, you know, that connects back to the story of Jesus Christ. Severian is not Christ. Yeah, no. It, it, and, and it makes him such a wonderfully complicated character to follow because you you read these books, you know Gene Wolfe is, is a, a Catholic writer. You pick up on the symbolism that he deliberately wrote into the series around Catholicism and around Christ, and you want to grab onto it. You want to say this is what this is, and then he doesn't let you.
1: Yeah. Every time you <laughs> he get he close, makes it.
3: Severian goes off. He makes it more does. complicated. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking, oh yes, yeah, Severian is. He's he's reaching this moment, and this is the parallel to to the the story of Jesus in the Gospels. And then Severian does something horrible, and you're like, oh, oh dear, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and. I, and on top of that because severian is the narrator of the book of the new sun in in the same way you know croker is the the analyst the narrator for for the black company or what whatever um, or or kvoth is for the most part the narrator he's telling the story in in the kingkiller chronicle mm-hmm. severian is an unreliable narrator and i think severian is the best unreliable narrator who has ever been put to pen
1: mhm because it's so subtle. Well, sometimes it's so I mean, subtle, and and
3: because from the get-go, like from page one, Severian, our narrator tells us, "I have a perfect memory." <laughs> 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 and I mean, and, and look, look, I love this character so much. The only pet I have ever owned. In my entire life, my my cat, my little yeah. black cat, is named Severian.
0: Yes, and I was going to bring this up when Pat had <laughs> finished his point about Severian, and then Drew, you went straight into Jared, and I was like, oh, Drew, you're not going to mention that Severian is the name of your cat? I almost brought it up then. I almost did, but I decided, you know what? I'll let it slide. That was my I final can see clue why. that we would have overlap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: When I barely said anything at all while Pat was talking about Sumerian.
0: <laughs> sweet, yeah. sweet. So, Rub, your favorite? My favorite character. Hastily written as it was, hastily decided as it was, for all of epic fantasy, Wayne from Mistborn. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally oh. kidding. I'm oh, absolutely, absolutely kidding secondaire. right now, dude. That was a joke, Don't do that to me. (laughs) I almost just,
3: like, I just smacked my hand down and almost, like, yanked the cord out of
0: my uh, mic. I had to do it. I had to do it. No, see, I wanted to to say... You dangerously, don't you? I do. That's, I mean, danger's my middle name, all right? (laughs) I wanted to say Randall Thor. I wanted to say Randall Thor from The Wheel of Time, but I don't imagine that's a particularly original choice. That's the easy answer, and for those who who know me well enough, I don't like easy answers. So I'm going to go with Sazed from Mistborn.
4: All right. More precisely,
0: the Sazed that we had during the final Empire. So gentle, so kind, so well-meaning, and patient, and articulate, and humble. But still a badass. So, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sazed, I think, is my favorite uh, character of all time. You
2: certainly couldn't say so meek. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Well, wow.
1: um, but he is—he is meek in like the classical mm. sense of that word. I mean, but that's a word that Who's whose did? meaning has changed. He's socially a bit weak over
0: time. Like, or meek. I <laughs> say
1: weak. Um, He's very socially becomes meek. Becomes it, it comes from a Greek word that means those who have swords and know how to use them but keep them sheathed.
3: Really? And that
1: is a good description of Sazed. That is a great
2: that, description of Seizit. Now Cezid.
1: you know.
2: I guess I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Sazed is just a gem and I'm so glad that I got to discuss Sazed, my favorite character of all time on the Hero's Journey podcast just recently. That was awesome. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, Pat. Talk to us. Okay, well, <laughs> fuck you, Rob. Oh! No! My favorite character is Randall Thor. <laughs> oh,
3: no! I wasn't trying to do that.
0: No, <laughs> listen, what I said mess. that for a reason, though. I said that for a reason, though, because I imagine Randolph Thor is clearly... So many people's favorite for a reason. There's a reason well, okay. for that. Now give us those reasons, yeah, Pat.
1: Okay, so I uh, hearken back to my earlier comments about picking like archetypal um, characters, and so my the, the the favorite is the archetypal hero. Um, and I could there in my for my money there is no better archetypal hero than than Rand. Um, yeah, a lot of its a lot of its tropy, And you're right. In some sense, it is an easy pick, but it's easy because. He's, he's so believable, he's so genuine. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, he, he feels so grounded in the world that Robert Jordan created. Uh, y- you empathize with his struggles, you, you cheer at his victories, you mourn with him when he's mourning, and you want the best for him all the time, you really do from from the eye of the world all the way through a memory of
0: light you're you're hoping for mm, nothing. But... there's a few moments in the gathering storm god, where you start to question <laughs> but that's, start to that makes him it. all the better of a character yeah, yeah. oh yeah I, hey yeah
2: absolutely and just think how much he changes from eye of the world rand to end of the series rand
0: mm. oh my yeah. god just think of how much oh, he yeah. changes from eye of the world rand to shadow rising rand
1: yes oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean it's a, it's amazing yeah. And, like, it's it's really hard. Like, I don't like a lot of classical hero characters or fish-out-of-water characters. Like, they really, in general, don't do much for me. Mm-hmm. But because of what Jared just brought up, like, each book, you get a little bit of a different rand. That's what keeps it keeps it fresh and keeps it going. Good. Yeah. Anyway. Nice. So,
0: I mean, so there you have it. Well, so, hey... I, I included Randall Thor in my fucking spiel there for a reason because he. I wanted him to be my number one. Everything no you guys just feelings. said, totally correct. <laughs> totally no correct. Feelings, no hard feelings, Rob. <laughs> no It's okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Abuse a little more. All right. Yeah. Jared.
2: So my number one. I think I don't. I actually don't know the answer to this, but I think I might be cheating a little here, in that. I don't know if this is, strictly speaking, the fantasy genre.
3: Oh, whatever. If It's, it's fiction. fiction it, works. Okay. it works.
0: Oh, I didn't. There, I, there's somebody else I would have. If I, okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs>
2: Maybe it qualifies. I don't know. So my number one favorite is Edmund Dantes from Count of Monte
0: Cristo. Oh. oh. Okay. Okay. I can't say I know this one. Uh, a little
2: bit yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you uh, your classic revenge story, first of all,
4: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't help but not root for them. Like, <clears throat> I, I think Another part of it believably smart character, very smart. I think like some of this I read when I was pretty young, so I think i'd be interested i haven't done a reread in a while so i'd be interested to see if my opinion changes somewhat like maybe i'm looking back on this with you know a bit of a childlike admiration but sure
3: no i i like it i like it i i will say not speculative fiction but i'll allow it (laughs) Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah it doesn't quite qualify well, now I want to know who
0: Rob would have said. It, was, it had, wasn't even close to. I mean, it was it was a character from a TV show, actually. But I'll. I'll oh, oh them, okay. I'll well, include them in my honorable mentions. I have a couple of honorable mentions. I'll get a really bullet time out of the way near the end. Uh,
3: yeah, so, I was I was gonna do my honorable mentions uh, before <laughs> I did my uh, final
0: favorite character, but
2: yeah, this uh, is really hard to narrow down to three. It is. Oh
0: <laughs> it really is how? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm so I'm so convinced, gentlemen, that like a week from now, I'm going to be thinking, oh, my God, why didn't I say X? Uh. And then the next day I'm going <laughs> to think, oh, I'm so stupid for not saying Y. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, Drew, what's
3: your X? Well, yeah. So before I get to my, my favorite one, I have two honorable mentions. <laughs> the first is one of my favorite villains – and the second is one of my favorite villains. <laughs> Raja Ten from the Rune Lords. Okay. By okay. David Farland. surprised in hindsight. Yep. And the other is Mile Koth from the Axe You Cain. asshole! You took one of my honorable mentions. Okay. <laughs> and my favorite, also from the venerable Matthew Woodring Stover, the titular character, Cain Hari Kapoor Michelson. Uh, There is no character I enjoy reading about more. Um, Kane is not a person that I I would get along with. He is not a person that I admire. But he is a person who, uh, who is just extremely entertaining to read about. And the way Stover wrote him makes him so compelling. The, the layers to this man, the struggles that he goes through over the course of the series, his attitude toward the difficulties in his life, his attitude toward the good things that, that come to him, his sense of humor. He is, for my money, the best written character I have ever encountered.
0: Damn. I was not expecting that. I was
2: totally expecting Drew to go Wheel of Time.
0: I mean, if you had asked me where Hari Kapoor Michelson would rank on Drew's favorite characters of all time, I would have said in between 20 and 30. Wow. I cannot believe what I just heard. And I, 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 I do like reading from, I do like reading Kane. But oh my God, that was a huge surprise for me. I don't know if the listeners could hear my jaw hitting the floor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you yeah. could
0: hear my response to that saying, Damn, Pat, man. I feel you right now.
1: Damn. Uh, Damn. Wow. Wow. I mean, I'll, give you, I'll give you that he's well-written. I'll, I'll give you that. Hey. Yes. No argument? <laughs> yes, I think I'm with Pat. <laughs> yep. And All that's right.
3: why I think it's important to note, like I'm not saying... I love Kane, right. but I love the reading Kane. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, and, what comes down to and it. And this is something
0: yeah. that w- which we're going to get into, into later when we're getting into oh, our yes. most hated characters. I yes, was having a lot of trouble deciding <laughs> if I wanted to write characters that I thought were poorly written or characters that I thought were excellently written in that I love to hate them.
1: Oh, I got a little bit of both.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so I went for, I went well. for a, a happy medium there. Well, a very bummer medium there, actually. So <laughs> I
2: went Rob solidly in the second category, so. <laughs> Rob, did you have
1: honorable mentions that you
0: wanted to give I have two. Away? I have Gall from The Wheel of Time. Oh. I need oh. to just... Him and parents bromance and, and the number <laughs> of times that they just level about their problems, mostly with women. It's just there's something so pure... There's something so genuine about that. And I just love reading every one of their interactions. I, Gaul, I, I said this during our Shadow Rising episode. This is a, this is a callback over a year ago now in uh, Inking Out Loud History. Everybody needs a Gaul. Oh, shit. Everybody does. Sure. Yep. Am I second? Some quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry go I'm ahead. Were... No, no. If you want to add on Gaul, go ahead. Uh, rapid
1: Fire, Zeth, Dalinar, Matt, Lady, Nynaeve.
0: Ooh. Oh, Nynaeve and Zeph and Oh my God. Okay. Alright. Okay, all Galenari. good choices. Yeah. Alright. Those are all great characters. I can't find a single thing to say negative about any if, of them. Well, if I, I were, were to expand
3: my honorable mentions to five, um for sure Matt would be on that list. Probably <laughs> Nynaeve as well.
0: <laughs> Both from Wheel of Time. And then maybe course.
3: Chris uh, uh Chris Alla from White Sand. Oh well, the Duchess would be my
2: yeah. My honorable mentions were Hoyd, Kelsier,
0: and Quoth. So Quoth. Okay. Ooh, Quoth is a very controversial one. At least you didn't say Denna. Oh my <laughs> no. god! If you had said Denna, I would have ended this fucking call right now. <laughs> I'm, just <kidding. laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, sorry. And my last one was from a TV show. Don't judge me, everybody. Vegeta, the Prince of Saiyans.
3: Oh. Okay, no, great, great choice. I'm with you there. Uh, excellent character. But yeah, oh, I didn't even my. think... I didn't,
0: you know... I could yeah, wax I rhapsodic about teeth. the way he's portrayed in his journey. Oh my God.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, still, I still think one of the, the most touching moments of any TV show I've ever seen was uh, Vegeta's... Mm-hmm. A, yeah,
0: yeah a, I think I know words
3: exactly. Words to his son, Trunks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So, Rob, I think you have some fiction for us, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I do. I do have some fiction yes. for us. So All we're right. going into my live reading now, now that we're done with our favorite characters and our most loved characters.
3: Let me um, get
0: my beer here. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. This this here, it's only, only going to take about five minutes. This is a scene that, and th- th- this does require at least one or two minutes of uh, context here. <clears throat> if you're a patron, you've already heard or heard, read, I should say, a big part of it. But for today, I'm going to be giving more context than even our patrons got, as well as a big chunk of what follows immediately afterward. Also, that our patrons didn't get. Now, for the context, I couldn't figure out for the life of me how to start this scene. I've attempted to give it a beginning no fewer than five or six times over an equal number of years. This is a very, very old piece of mine. And every time I try, my introduction falls apart. But... One of those times, I decided to jump ahead and start with exactly what I wanted to write, disregarding that proper setup that I thought it was going to be. I tried one more time tonight to give it a proper beginning, but I I just, I, I still can't. So, now you're just getting context. I'm setting the stage for you. This is a scene that you're getting as is. That means it's going to be changed drastically. If ever, under God, it finds its way to a published page. That said, know that it takes place at the end of one of my... Mm. I should say one of my first novels. It will be the first novel of this series and this is going to be what I think will be my biggest series. It's going to set up literally four more books, this scene will. And this is my chance to show off what I have planned in what I think is appropriately ominous terms for the rest of the series. So again, setting stage. Our main characters, of whom there's going to be four, in an intermixed kind of narrative, they've had their first major victory. A a, a generations-long war has just ended, the name of the most wanted man alive has been cleared, and the world is going to have to come to grips with the open emergence of an organization that it was taught to fear for decades and certain pernicious elements of the world's governments have been exposed, they are abandoning posts everywhere, there's massive gaps in authority that's threatening the structure of society itself. And in this madness, our mentor character, the so-called traitor of men having been exonerated finally at the apex of a ferocious battle between several world armies, he's paying a visit to an old friend. There are two major revelations in this section, but I won't make the reveal here because it would be completely nonsensical without context, but suffice it to say that this man is directly re-linked (laughs) to how Drayden Stillsight, our mentor, was branded as a traitor of men in the first place. This old friend of his has gone completely insane and suffers from a rare, magically-induced condition that has removed his mind from its place and time, Entirely think Cain Kane and Cain's Law or Mergen in Black in Bleak Seasons only <laughs> worse, far for, like far worse in a way in such a way it leaves him an invalid. So <clears throat> he visits this man using an unique ability, unique to him I should say, to hopefully glean information about the future. And in doing so, against his better judgment, he commits something akin to torture for both of them. Here we go. Gabe clasped his hand. The visions began slowly, like the trickle of a small rivulet as it wound its way over the cobbled streets of reality. He was flying through a dense, humid jungle by night, with only fireflies to light his path. He was followed by Trent and six others, two of whom he didn't know. They searched for someone, a living legend, to glean information about their ancient enemy. Somewhere, Gabe was aware of himself smiling. He knew this woman. The vision was swept from his mind then, replaced with another, as the trickle began to flow. He was outside enormous city gates, made of nearly black stone streaked through at intervals with red marble. The flat, rocky landscape before him was lit with a strange sort of twilight, and as he looked up, Gabe saw that the sun had somehow been reduced to a mere glowing ring. An enemy was coming, one more terrible than he had ever faced. Without hope, he watched the shadow on the horizon grow larger, more daunting, until it seemed it must surely consume the city at his back, rolling over it as the tide rolls over pebbles. Slowly, he pulled his blade free, the whispering ring joined by thousands of others as they added their voices to his. He raised his sword high, ready to die. But just then, a light split the sky, washing over the two armies with a brilliant, pure glow. He stared, eyes watering into the center of that glow, and he could swear there was a figure floating in its center, small of stature, head thrown back, as if screaming in pain. Dimly aware of his own body, Gabe realized he was shaking uncontrollably. The flow became a torrent. He was walking, naked and chained beneath a black sky. Not a night sky, a black sky. Bare of any moon or stars. He felt a hungering awareness from it, like that of a man licking his lips before a Song Day feast. Others walked with him, heads bowed and shoulders slumped, as if they too could feel the oppressive weight of that gaze, each trying to make themselves smaller, less noticeable, to be the last scrap on the plate. The torrent was beyond his control now. Images flew faster and faster, like leaves in a tempest crossing his vision, leaving less detail with each. He saw a bearded man leaving <laughs> He saw a bearded man leading seven roaring panthers, tamed by his hand, straight into the opening maw of a vast, unimaginable beast. He saw the Severian Crescent, lying in a bloody puddle upon stone cast aside by one who had never worn it proudly. He saw a man, his friend, broken. Inside and out, laying at the feet of a faceless enemy, he felt Trent's decision to die. No. Was that his thought? Gabe felt his knees collide with the stone floor, and vaguely, as if through an echoing tunnel, he heard someone gasp. The visions continued. He saw that same bearded man with a blindfold over his eyes, standing protectively over what seemed to be a tiny seedling, a sapling. Defiant, the blindfolded man stood against those who would harm her. Her? Gabe, no! What are you doing? Arms surrounded him, closed over his chest. He knew those arms. He loved them. He was helpless now, carried by the flood at an alarming pace, grasping at objects around him in a vain attempt to keep himself grounded. He managed to grab one, but it wasn't solid. It was ephemeral, breaking away at his touch. He received a quick image as it did. A child, weeping over a a tree turned to stone. He... who was he? He felt the arms leave him, and he tried to scream to beg them to come back, not to leave them alone in this raging torrent of time. It flowed into him, like all the oceans of the world struggling to fill a single goblet. He saw a silver hand wielding a bloody dagger. There was something wrong with the blood. He saw a man with no shadow, who had five faces, two figures dancing atop a line of light that spanned over endless dark, a black waterfall crashing without sound. Wham! He felt a mighty impact fling him from the raging river of time. Sprawling spectacularly, he impacted his head painfully on the stone floor that he had just knelt upon. As he lay there, catching his breath, he heard another voice, feminine, panting as she uttered one single word. Idiot. At the sound of that voice, Drayden perked up. As if that one word were the opening of a sluice, years, decades spread through him, bringing with them ten thousand memories that were his. He was Gabe. Drayden, still sight, yes, that was his name now. He hadn't gone by that first in nearly a century's time. The knees throbbing painfully beneath him were his. The skull pounding in protest at its recent collision with the stone floor was his. The voice of the woman that cursed at him now. She was his, and he hers. Gulping nervously, Dave, Gabe turned to confront the one person in all of Allian from whom he would take what he was about to. You monumental, ignorant, selfish sack of shit, Gabe. What the hell were you thinking? Gabe hung his head for a moment, breathing deeply before pushing himself upright and staring her in the eyes. His wife the angel from whose lips he would suffer a thousand lashes and still beg for their touch. And in this moment, in the face of what he had just done, he wasn't sure what he had deserved. Spinning, almost as much to hide from that accusatory glare as it was to check on his friend, Gabe rushed across the room to check on Nolan. In a moment! The man, remarkably, had kept upright. More, he didn't seem as if he was particularly worse for the exchange. Indeed, his breathing seemed almost normal. He gazed around the room, something Gabe hadn't seen him do, hadn't seen him with a presence of mind to do, in many, many years. There was no recognition in those eyes, but that wasn't unexpected. He'd been catatonic long before being brought into this room. Nolan didn't seem to have any expression, though, beyond vague curiosity, but still, Gabe had to check. Nolan? Old friend? Gabe's voice quavered. The man turned vaguely in his direction as if he had heard the name, but he hadn't any context for what it meant. His eyes didn't focus. He didn't see his oldest friend, his protege, standing before him. After a moment, he continued his vague glance around the room, then he picked up his pencil and returned to his frantic sketching, muttering under his breath. Gabe felt himself slump, dejected. The bright flash of hope he'd begun to feel snuffed out like a candle in a high wind. I'm sorry, Lena. I had to. Bullshit, she said, pointing at him as if she wanted to skewer him with her finger. You know what happened last time you tried that. You nearly died. He nearly died. We can't die, Gabe said through gritted teeth. Tell that to him then, Melina said, shifting her gesture to the man sitting at the desk. He had begun to weep as he sketched. Go on. Ask him how particularly alive he feels, Gabe. See if you can even get a response. I have no choice, Lena. Gabe found himself angry, a feeling he'd never liked. Decades of heartbreak on the run from those who should have been his brothers and sisters. Years spent in pain watching his best friend waste away in a sacrifice that the world was never to have known. Two journeys through the lands of nightmare and time, from which most would never survive one. In this moment, watching him respond to his own name. Gabe had dared to hope that his best friend could be saved. The tears came, hot and heavy from eyes that had not wept since before this room even existed. Melina's expression softened as she noticed, but still clenching his jaw, Gabe continued. Her words were a sluice, and he could not stop the words that came. He foresaw this. All of it. He begged me to let him go, and he did it for a reason. This ability of mine, He held up his hands, looking down at them through the blur of tears that he refused to let fall. This is a tool that no one has ever had. What kind of man would I be if I refused to use it, to save him some pain? He closed his eyes, and he felt the first sob rack his body. What kind of friend would I be if I let him die in vain? And there, in that dimly lit room, the traitor of men began to weep. And that's where I think I'll end it. Lyrical. The scene doesn't end here. It doesn't end there, that particular scene. He's just learned a few interesting things from his visions that he's just had, our our mentor character. And he's got to write that down before he forgets. But for now, I'll end it there. So when do we get to see a manuscript? <clears throat> yeah. Well, that manuscript is about six years. Pardon me, that's about eight years in the making. It's probably at least another five years from actually existing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nuts.
1: Man, no, that was that
0: was gripping. Thank it you. It was. And that's the end. That's that's the that's the epilogue. Three quarters of the epilogue, so to speak.
3: Yeah, I can't. First I can't talk much about you know the character or, or plot elements of it because I don't know the story. uh <laughs>
0: But, I will say one of those lines I wrote yesterday, one of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm particularly proud of that one. That was yeah. the angel from whose lips he would suffer a thousand lashes and still beg for their touch. That was that was one I wrote yesterday. But the rest uh, yeah, I wrote so, about a year and a half, two years ago, at least.
3: Go ahead. Well, I, I can't talk too much to, you know, the character or the plot elements of it. I can talk to the prose and I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, it, it flows really nicely. Uh, it's evocative. I mean, like, it's strong mental images coming from that.
2: Yeah, very yeah, visual.
3: I,
1: I like, felt the same thing. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I much appreciate that.
3: Oh. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Jared. I, I, I want to see the manuscript now. I want you to find the time to work on this more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't read or listen to that while I was doing something that required a lot of attention. Right. Because I wouldn't recommend images. it either, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. The mental images were the, the the highlight for me. Thank you. So it was nice to just be able to focus on
0: that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that you guys. And I was yeah, awesome. Right I feel you have, uh, man. I feel you stoked to go Keeps into strong, our dude. <laughs> Thanks. All right. We are good now to go into a special announcement, I think, that Drew has. Yes. So the first of two giveaway announcements
3: we're going to do on this episode, we have a signed Oathbringer paperback that we want to give away to one of our listeners in order to be eligible for this. Unfortunately, like our previous giveaways, you have to be a resident either of the U.S. or Canada, um, Shipping costs are just prohibitive, unfortunately. Uh, I, I need to make more money than I do <laughs> uh, for, for it to be feasible. But uh, if you do live in the U.S. or Canada, let us know why you love the Stormlight Archive. You can you know tweet at us, post on our Facebook page, Instagram, email us, uh, inkingoutloudcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, however you want to contact us, let us know why you love the Stormlight Archive. Should we you put will a be word entered limit? into... You figure?
0: What that? Should we put a word limit, do you figure? Because those that are tweeting at us only have like 140 characters versus those who are emailing us could give us 2,000 words. They could give us a, a uh, thesis. This is what I'm saying. Let oh, us know yeah.
3: why you love it, and you will be entered into the giveaway. We'll do a random number generator. Oh, um, gotcha. You know, it's... it's uh, You know, but we we will... When we make the announcement, we will talk about our favorite uh, submissions. So... Oh, okay. uh, Cool. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Cool. Okay. Um, Yeah, so if you want a signed by Brandon Sanderson paperback copy of Oathbringer...
0: Something that I don't even have. You know what to do.
1: Get after it, people.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, now that we've gotten through uh, our first little stretch of the show let's continue on and let's talk about our least favorite characters rob do you want to do you want to take it from the top
0: <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and i hope i hope take at least one of your most hated characters there and open up with saint bairn from oh. the acts of Cain. Okay, all right. Baron is such a despicable, greasy, sadistic revel like reveling in torture and pain and everything that is bad. He's powerful, he's intimidating, but that just gives you more reasons to root for the the protagonist Cain in many cases. If you can call him a protagonist, is that still still open to discussion? No, he's a protagonist. He's not you
3: know, a hero, but he's a protagonist.
0: There you go. Okay. Okay. You know what? <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Thank you for, for listing that. Yeah. No. Uh, Count Baron. Saint Baron. That guy just... And I was really, really tempted to put Kohlberg from the same series here in Acts of Cain. But I realized a lot of what we got from Kohlberg that nauseated us the most wasn't really Kohlberg. So, yeah, yeah, I left him Hmm. out. But, yeah, uh, St. Baron from the Acts of Cain is third place for my most despicable, yeah, hated
1: piece of shit character of all time. He is a lot of things and
0: nothing good. Yeah,
2: he is is repulsive. (laughs) Gross is the word that comes to mind.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, for uh, him, that's... rape and torture is like Sunday ice cream. It's like, hey, let's go for some of this, you know? Yeah, he's that's, like, oh, yeah. I've
3: never had that flavor before. That's literally how he acts. Oh, my
1: God. He's the, the real
0: monster category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More so than the actual antagonist, I would argue. But okay, all right, so. Third favorite. Our third favorite. <sighs> Our third favorite. third of... favorite to hate, maybe. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll, I'll leave my real monster pick for last, so I'm going to go with, uh, this character is a protagonist. Oh, no. Anish. You're about to Uh-oh. steal one a of mine, I'm pretty yeah. sure. This it sounds contentious. From loathing quoth from the Kingkiller Killer
0: podcast. Oh! Ooh. No! Ooh. I'm going to open this and look at Jared's face right now. No! He
1: is a terrible character. He's... I mean, talk about your classic case of the author writing in a fantasized version of what he wishes his life could be like. Whoa! He is too good. He is a character of his book. I mean, he is... I'm I'm not saying he's a Gary
0: Sue because I don't think... uh, The the technicalities of that are not... How can you not say Quoth is a Gary Sue? Hold on. Let's stop there for a fucking second.
1: Well, he may or may not be. But my point is... That's not my main criticism of him. I oh, okay. I feel like people, people use the Gary Sue and Mary Sue criticism when it's not really their main point, but their main point is something they're embarrassed or ashamed to bring up. So they just pull that out as an as an excuse. <coughs> I mean, Kowalski <Kvothe laughs> is overpowered, and it's true that he is absolutely amazing at everything that he sets his hands. That's to my only complaint time. to
0: him. Mo- that's my that would be, about
2: him. yeah. I've, I agree with that. Well, bit.
3: Well, He's so too I, good. I actually want to break down, uh, you know, like a writing, uh, literary criticism point here. The original, the true definition of a Mary Sue or a Gary Stew is an idealized author self-insert, which is what you're saying wow. both is.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, but it, and also, but it's, like... but
3: it's become corrupted in in. Uh, in criticism where people just use okay. Gary Sue as any character who is hyper competent. They're like, Oh, he's okay. too powerful. He's a, he's a Mary Sue. Like,
1: okay. With like, that definition in mind, then yes. Like I guess my criticism of him is the classical definition. Yeah. Of yeah. Gary yeah. Sue.
0: yeah. Okay. I also have to clap mm. back a little bit, even though I also not a big fan of Quoth myself, but I have to clap back on, on, on what you have put forward here, Pat, in that, You've stated before on very recent episodes, specifically about the black company, that mm. when, when things don't happen and it's just, it's just shit for the sake of shit, you say, I read fantasy to get out of shit. I read fantasy right. to escape. And I feel like Kavoth is the perfect, uh, he's the patriarch um, of escapism.
1: I see what you're saying, <laughs> but, but I, I don't want to escape into one of Patrick Rothfuss's wet dreams.
0: <laughs> oh. <Okay>. Oh. <laughs> all right, that all right, is, that's fair. Okay. That is not somewhere I'm
1: not
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now that we're talking about Pat Rothfuss's wet dreams on the Inking Out Loud podcast,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm now even more grossed
0: out. Yeah, I, okay, that's be. a fair point. Wow. Okay, you you did you did you did kind of pull me back a little bit there on that one. You, I, I can see contextually what you're saying. He's just now, lame, I,
1: like. I can't identify I'll push with back. someone... Yeah, okay, go ahead.
3: I'll push back a ha- little bit. I'm, I'm, I don't want to make this a whole thing because this is something for us to really dig into when we cover the Kingkiller Chronicle at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, but back. I do think the unreliable narrator aspect is coming through a bit in the story. Um, I, I mean, I do think, at a certain level, I agree with you, Pat, that I, I believe... Patrick Rothfuss wrote Kvothe as a bit of an idealized self-insert, but I also I also think some of the idealization of the character is deliberate on the author's part because he wants to make a point about how unreliable Kvothe is. I mean, he's telling his um, own story. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, and, and, there's a, there's a character who exists as he a is a, a call, massive like, egotist.
0: Yeah. like <laughs> yeah the chronicler <laughs> exists undeniably. I think we can agree. the chronicler exists as as a vehicle for our questioning of the reliability of said narrative mm-hmm. right right right. yeah
2: uh, why but, are we assuming that that that's the character that rothfuss wants to be like,
0: like see what? that's what I'm the, the self insert thing yeah. is where I'm cuz yeah okay rothfuss spent many many semesters in post secondary right like he 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 moved his education around quite a bit so a lot of people Use that to throw at him and say that "quoth is your self insert quoth." I I don't know if I quite agree with that. Just like it's it's very good literary groundwork, and so I don't I can't quite hold that against Pat Rothfuss and say that it's a self insert. I do take some issue with that. I don't know if that's the case.
3: Because because, I think it's more the attitude. (laughs)
1: uh, Well, it's partly the attitude, and then everything that "quoth is" is something that let's say uh the 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 juvenile male every teenage is, boy wants to wants to be. itself to be <clears throat> sure is this sure.
0: amazing musician, and he's clever and resourceful. but that he could be considered as or that could and be he's a literal God
3: in else. bed.
1: yeah like,
0: you on. could just as easily <laughs> like, call that pandering to the audience as self- insert though. I don't know if I don't know if I agree with the self- insert part of it, but I yeah. absolutely agree that Quoth the- is a. Overpowered Gary Stew and is kind of a poorly written character. Yeah. All said and done. The ch-
1: the cherry on top of it all is the the vague defeat that is occurring sometime in his future that we know of, like the pathos and the self pity of uh, of defeat. Even you know, I'm sure <laughs> it won't be his fault. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll
0: oh you oh not... wait hold on you're assuming we're well, gonna get that well. book eventually. <laughs> Hold on. Let's, assume Let's talk about that for a second. No, that's not. No, 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 not. no. Yeah, okay. We've spent Again, too much
1: time on this anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is for a King Killer episode. Jared, your <laughs> your
3: uh, third least favorite character.
2: Uh this is one from the series that we just covered, Soulcatcher. Oh Ooh.
0: my God, Soulcatcher was so close to making my Soulcatcher
2: yeah. is the ultimate. Why won't this person just fuck off? Character for me. <laughs>
0: Yep, yep, 100%, 110% with Jared on this like, one, you are my man, I get you Just, just that.
2: die already
0: Just <laughs> fucking die already, you stupid, fucking insane, sadistic cunt <sighs> mm. Alright, well,
3: well, we've oh, already had, um, so much. we've already had one spicy take
0: oh, I was hoping Pat. you'd say spicy take, yes Okay, go ahead now it's the time for Drew to uh,
3: piss off a bunch of our listeners. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Egwene Elvier. <gasps> yeah. And I want to qualify.
0: Hated? This. Oh, my God. I just heard the I collective think, butthurt of fucking thousands of people, dude. Okay. Well,
3: so I want to I wanna frame this here. I think Egwene Elvier is a brilliantly written character. Well I think okay. she is one of Robert Jordan's crowning achievements in the Wheel of Time. If she lived next door to me, I would hate her guts. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: same.
3: I would she not get along with her on any level.
1: If she, she has her
3: moments of virtue. <laughs> she she has her, uh, you know, her her awesome time on stage. But what makes up the core of Egwene Alvere are uh, attributes that I just like. I, I'm sorry, like she's so selfish, she's so hypocritical. I could not be friends with her, and agree more. and and this is this is a, a particular thing for me judging Wheel of Time characters because they're all the characters that I grew up with. I started reading epic fantasy really with The Wheel of Time. I mean, yeah, I read The Lord of the Rings, I was reading Star Wars EU, um, but The Wheel of Time was what opened the floodgates for my experience with epic fantasy. And I read, uh, yeah, I picked up the eye of the world for the first time, I was 11 years old. And I grew up with these characters. And in a lot of ways I see, or, or I would always put myself in a situation where I'm like, I want to be friends with them. Egwene is the only one of the main group with whom I would not get along.
0: Yep. Yep. Agreed. Ding dong. <laughs> well, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. say I ever. I mean, I'm, hated making 100 I'm not making a hundred
3: episode the... callback there. I'm not quite the cannoli egg hater, like, oh, she's evil. She's worse than a dark friend. Like, I'm not <laughs> one of those. But, but I think she yeah. – all, all the major characters in The Wheel of Time have character flaws.
4: Yeah.
3: Her character flaws in particular just stand out to me as, like, somebody I would not like. I, I could not get past those flaws I think the way I, I could with say... Nynaeve or Elaine or oh, Rand no. or Perrin or Matt. You know, like, and and I'll, I'll be honest, uh, I like reading about Matt because he's entertaining, but I also don't think I'd be great friends with Matt.
0: Ah, huh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, I like Egwene overall. I like her more than I hate her. I do like her more. Um, mm. I'd probably butt heads a lot more mm. with Nynaeve than I would with Egwene. But I can absolutely admit that that everything you just said about Egwene is correct. Yeah, Uh, I just
2: just never felt hate. It's a bit strong.
0: She's redeeming. So that's that's my spicy take.
1: (laughs) She does make me embarrassed to be rooting for the light from time to time. (laughs) Whoa! Whoa!
3: Harsh oh. words, harsh words. Uh, so, Rob, you're, you're uh, number
0: two here. Number two favorite. Our favorite. What do I consider your favorite here? Favorite to hate, <laughs> I should say. I should fall back on. My number two most hated character of all time, the one that I love to hate, Toro Sadius from The Storm. Stormboard oh, Archive. very nice. Yeah, the that guy is such a, a miserable, conniving, slimy, ruddy-faced cretin that I just <laughs> wanted his death for every page that he was meant mentioned. Sorry, go ahead, Drew. You want
3: to? Uh, Rob, uh, do you remember what I messaged you y- y- when you were reading Words of Radiance for the first time? And you, I do. You I can I finish this
0: thought? Yeah, I, I told okay, you. I yeah. fucking, I swear to God, I think I know what you're about to say. <laughs> This is going back six, no, seven years ago. It was March of 2014. Maybe, yeah, March of 2014. Yep. When you told me, he's like, oh, you think you hate Sadius. You think you hate him, but you don't hate him yet. Right? Ooh. Was that it? Oh, no, no, no. Was... no, no. I, just, I just figured out what you're about to say. I just figured it out. <laughs> you said, and I quote, fuck Sadius. Fuck Sadius in the face with a knife. <laughs> Halfway through the book, when I was, I think I was at Whitespine Uncaged. I just passed that part. And I was like, fucking Sadius. And, and then Drew was like, yeah, seriously, fuck him. Fuck him in the face with a knife. You duplicitous <laughs> son of a bitch.
3: <laughs> and that's referring to me, not Sadius. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. No, that last part is referring to Drew. Yeah. <laughs>
1: if I wrote Drew into an epic fantasy, I would call him the foreshadower.
3: <laughs> the foreshadowing. No, oh I mean, we. I, I have had so much fun uh, over the years, like because I read very quickly. Um, often I finish books before my friends, and and I love slipping in little references to things I haven't read yet in such a way they will never understand that it's foreshadowing that. until after the fact. I say uh, you
0: are a bitch for that, but I love that. <laughs> I love the teasing. I am somebody who loves to be teased, and so uh, okay, that was, that was uh, very, Karen. very well done. <laughs> uh, Pat, Pat, you're, uh, you're up. Pat,
1: you're next. Um, speaking of Brandon Sanderson, lift. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. It's, it's As the happened. avatar for every single time Brandon Sanderson has ever tried to be funny. Yeah.
2: But pancakes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, God, no. Lyft is so obnoxious and pointless and boring. Every oh, time oh, boy. she appears on the page, I can't and say anything. a little bit inside. Ugh. And I don't even oh, want boy. to talk about her anymore, so Jared, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep.
0: I'm dying inside
2: uh th- what are we on number two this number is prop to be fair this is probably due to my pick of Tyrion being my favorite my least favorite is joffrey Ooh.
0: oh okay. second least favorite God, he's is so joffrey. well written though i think yeah no ugh. he's ugh. joffrey's a hate sink
3: i mean that's, Man, that's what a- the purpose he serves is, is like, to, to be hated. These
1: people so far in a room together.
3: Like, <laughs> 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 uh, when you I say the I word, like, hell, you're, you're trying to get me to imagine hell.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: you <laughs> just say like <laughs> with like Quoth little shit. Why he's here, you
1: <laughs> If you just, if you just say Quoth, <laughs> <while laughs> just plays something sad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wow.
2: uh, well,
3: while Eggwing claps, Baron is jerking off in
0: the corner. <laughs> right well
3: I oh, wait, over no, you said like, i'm the leader lit. of us i make the choices
1: right. <laughs> oh and my god settle down settle down <laughs> oh wait who would
2: die oh, first damn. if we put all of our least favorite characters in a room
3: who damn. would
0: die first pat you just reminded me joffrey. Of mention. <laughs> joffrey because he's a little <laughs> shit <Yeah.
3: laughs> I feel like yeah, I feel like uh, like Baron would kill Joffrey, just like Joffrey <laughs> would open his mouth, and Beren would just be like, "I'm done with this."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, goodbye. But I, I do have to say, I would feel bad for Lyft in this scenario because she wouldn't know what she did. She yeah. would not know. Yeah, she wouldn't. She no, would, and then Wendell will be down there like, about... "Mistress, I don't know what's going on." Uh, yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> She'd make a joke about Baron's butt or something, and then then it'd be all over. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't Actually,
3: I mean, this Lift is horrific to think about, but I'm not sure Baron would be upset about
0: that. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay.
3: Right but <laughs> the this is why Baron
0: belongs in hell. This is why Baron <laughs> is my number three choice, everybody. Thank you yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. For, uh, uh, and, so and my but, number two. Go ahead. My
3: number two is Goldberg from The Axe of Cain. Wow. Why Goldberg? Uh, so... Rob, you you made a point. You said a lot of what we think about him like at his worst was not really him. But I would contend it is him. because that's the blind god. Right, but without going into major spoilers, we do see other characters under the same influence later in the series and they do not act like he did. What happened was that his bassist most disturbing desires were enabled. And, and oh my gosh, what a monster it created. So
0: it's the Captain America series. It makes the, the good better and the bad worse. It makes Colberg and, and even every- in the first book,
3: Kohlberg is a slimy rat. He is awful. He is... He, the first scene of the book, you immediately dislike the guy. And and yeah. it's it's like... Uh, he's another another character who I think is uh, a hate Um, uh, You know, a, a Joffrey, a Dolores Umbridge. Uh, you Damn, know, uh, Damn it. Oh, uh, well. Okay, well, Rob, who's your least favorite character ever? No, no, okay.
0: <laughs> you, you were done with Kohlberg?
3: Yes, because, I'm done, I'm done.
0: Okay. <laughs> because I was going to return fire and draw it back to a wholesome circle and say, fuck you, Pat. Lift. Oh,
1: Lift is right there.
0: Well, it was a th- it was a three way tie. It was Lift, the LoPin, and Cody from the wrestlers. <laughs> I I yeah, I, I thought for sure it was going to be team. Cody. If, yeah, it, Drew, you said you thought it was going to be Cody. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, he like like <laughs> okay. it's the same. It's just the same character. Lift, the LoPin, and Cody with some obviously some some background differences. It's just an outlet for all the 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 jokes that Brandon Sanderson wants to tell and I'm just like oh god these are not <laughs> the right jokes to tell I'm so done with yeah. these oh my god lift is an obnoxious little bitch. Oh, she's Whoa. bitch she's not a bitch she's obnoxious but she's not a bitch
3: now I I got to say like my my thoughts on Lyft have mellowed out quite a lot since um I was going to uh, say something. a rhythm of war and especially dawnshard
0: for me it was since the end of Oathbringer going into rhythm of war. I was gonna say Lyft has kind of started to turn around for me. But Lopin no. and no, Cody. No, 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 no. Oh my god, <laughs> just get it over with and get it away from so me. Like so you don't but like Sanderson.
2: You don't like Sanderson's is. attempts at humor.
0: <laughs> yes. no, no, no! 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 Not at all. Sanderson has Lift. had many moments where he's made me laugh my ass off. It's just this type of humor this slapstick character who is very clearly meant as an outlet of his humor. It's just, it, that that's their whole character. That's what I fucking hate. I hate that. Uh, Lift is the obnoxiously plucked banjo at the funeral of a national hero. <laughs> what (laughs) (laughs) Pat when you started you started just the ripping lift apart I was sitting here tortured I was like oh my god I understand so much I agree 100% and while we were talking one of you I think it was Pat he did like a a pseudo impression and I thought oh Umbridge that reminds me of Umbridge oh god I hated Umbridge so my honorable mention is Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter series nice but, mm, my God, Lift and the Lopin and Cody from The Reckoners, the first two being from Stormlight, the last being from Reckoners. I just, that <laughs> the, uh, character that exists as an outlet for humor and has really not a lot to support them beyond that, that's just, that gets on my nerves so much. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I also want to say that I want to point out the fact that two-thirds of my most hated list coming from the same author, it's not a condemnation of that author. It's actually kind of part of the reason why he's my favorite. You know, (laughs) he he writes characters that are just so, so easy to hate. So, oh, oh, shit. I totally forgot. Honorable mention, Moash.
3: Oh, Uh, yeah, mm. fair enough. Hashtag fuck
0: Moash. Yeah, it's quite quite obvious that Moash (laughs) is in the running for this list. And if we hadn't had Rhythm of War, he was going to be in my top three probably third to be entirely honest. Wait, you think he got better in Rhythm of War? No, listen. He is slightly, in my eyes, redeemed. (laughs) Slightly for one brief instant, in some small way by a particular viewpoint we had near the end of Rhythm of War. Um, He doesn't do anything redemptive. We'll have to talk about this at a later date. Hold on. He he, he doesn't do anything redemptive, but he has some context. We get some context for what's happening to him. I think he's near the the, the top of the list of my most brilliantly written antagonists of all time, but he doesn't reach the nauseating cruelty of Bairn, the treachery of Sadius, or the pure irritation that I, as Rob Santos, get from Lyft, Lopin, and Cody. But there's a moment near the end of Rhythm of War where I think Uh, to myself, "Oh." Uh,
3: We'll have to have this discussion at a later date, but I, I... I'm sure I'm going to push back hard on on that when we do talk about it. I know what you're anyway, going to say for Pat, that, so I'm prepared for one. it. Number yep. one.
0: Alright, so that's it All right. for me. Okay.
1: My most loathed character, this slug under a rock, this creeping, <laughs> crawling, despicable, garbage human being, Nick Socorzo. You are... You are a monster. There is, okay. from the Gap Cycle. Okay. There is oh, now nothing, I understand. Okay. There was there is nothing he would not do in his own <laughs> purely self-interested, self-obsessed way of seeing the world. The, every time he's on the page, you feel like you want to you, you need to bathe. <laughs> just Damn. To get him out of you and, and oh, Ugh.
2: Damn.
1: Okay. Pickable man. Great choice. Jared?
2: Well, you guys ruined it again. (sighs) My number one was Professor Umbridge. Yes.
4: Okay. Oh, oh, Jared.
0: I
2: I hate all of you.
0: (laughs) But you get to explain
2: why. (sighs) Do I need to explain why? why? It's like Uh, every...
0: I don't think you do.
2: (laughs) Like every kid's vision of what a horrible teacher and adult would possibly be like. She likes to sadistically torture kids, um, her freaking laugh.
1: Oh, yeah. The...
4: <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> all
0: the cat souls she has imprisoned on The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the poor, the poor cats. <laughs> They don't even know.
4: Hmm. <sighs> well,
0: no, Dolores Umbridge is still definitely a worthy entrance, or entry, I should say, into the most despicable characters of all time. Yeah
3: yeah for sure uh, and she would be an honorable mention for me as well Yes, um, uh, I have another honorable mention that is Holt Fastener from yeah. The Gap Cycle but my number one Word. pat already stole Nick Sincorso oh.
0: you guys with your gap cycle I've really got to get into the gap cycle So many a lot of terrible people in that there are a lot this. of terrible people in that series <laughs> and one so of them that was apparently that. awesome Severian.
1: Yes. Yeah. A, more, uh, well, a more, couple that,
0: are, that are awesome. Many that are
1: awesome. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, by the way, I realized in my, in my reading earlier, one of my, uh, I, I did say the name Severian. I have not read The Gap Cycle. It is spelled completely differently. Book I just want to r- write that down. I want to make, <laughs> a, make a note of that. But when I get into there, I'm going to be very interested to see what you guys yeah, are talking yeah. about.
1: Yeah, Severian's yeah. Book of the New Sun. Hold Fasner, hashi. Nick oh, Scorzo, sh- that was Gapsack.
0: Book of the New Sun. That was Gene Wolfe. Again, there I <laughs> go fucking up again. Oh my Both
1: god. Both great okay. series. But
0: no, I couldn't I can't wait to
1: start digging into the gap on the podcast that's going to be awesome. yeah
3: yeah that, that'll that'll be coming down the road pretty <laughs> dig it pretty into the soon. gap there are a
0: euphemisms a tri- for you for the rest
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we have a couple of different uh trilogies that we have to get to first we're going to do the Illuminae files and then we're going to do uh, the divine cities by Robert Jackson Bennett and then probably soon after that we'll do the gap cycle because you know we're going to need a another uh, another venture into the the depths of humanity. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> just brace right, yourself you before any, you read any it.
1: other specific reasons why you hated Nick, apart from the generalizations that I made? Uh,
3: I, I can't really go beyond what you said without going into spoilers. Um,
4: yeah.
3: uh, he's another character l- l- I, whom I think was written very, very well. But the and, and and I'm not going to draw a parallel. He's a much, much, much worse person than Egwene Alviar. Oh, <laughs> like they, they 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 are similar in the sense that they're both very well written characters. They are not similar in the sense of like the depths of evil going on with Nick the <laughs> Um He he is. He, you know, you take the brand of selfishness that Egwene uh, has in the Wheel of Time, and you magnify it by about fifteen thousand times. Then you're in Nixacorso territory. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. So that's uh. Yeah. That. Hmm. that
2: I mean, Egwene isn't evil. <laughs> no,
3: she's <laughs> not evil. remotely. Yeah. She is a person, uh, uh, who I would not be friends with, and who was written so well and for so long that it bothered me to be inside her head.
1: <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. Well, that, um, that's a wrap on that. Uh, drew, you have some reading for us, I believe.
3: Yep. I do. I do. And before I start this, I need to open a beer. Cool. And I will be talking about this beer during the final draft in a little bit. Excellent,, uh, but but this beer specifically goes with, or thematically goes with my uh, my writing. Excellent. Awesome Yeah, so this short story is from a. Uh, uh, from a fantasy world that I have created, uh, I'm in the middle of a, a trilogy. I've already written the first book. I'm, yeah, I've, I've outlined the second book, and I've kind of shelved that while I work on revisions on the first one. But this is a, a sort of prequel uh, that I wrote for a little bit of world building and follows a side character. And this story is called Missionary. The little Noshan village, nestled up in the northern reaches of the Icefall Mountains and just on the far side of the Empire's border, huddled under a fluffy layer of snow. Chimneys poked up through the inches thick white icing on roofs, thin trickles of gray smoke rising through the frigid evening air. A low murmur of voices came from a cozy tavern just off the main snow-packed road, if it could be called a proper road, and a dog barked from somewhere ahead old crispy had no clue what the name of the town was it was tiny not even as large as the hamlet in which he planned to retire no this was just a collection of 30 or 40 houses and a few other buildings hiding away in the gentle grasp of the ice falls it was quaint in a way it was certainly picturesque in the silently falling snow it was also thoroughly heathen He hitched his black robes closer to his chin and settled his hood more firmly over what little hair he had remaining. His breath came from his nose and mouth in puffs of steam. Even in the bitter, Noshan winter, he was never truly cold. Nonetheless, Old Crispy did not hesitate to move into the tavern. His trail lay behind him, two troughs carved into the snow on the road, likely fading somewhere far down the mountain as fresh snow continued to fall. Inside, the air was warm, and the smell of beer and bread and roasting venison filled the air. The bar stretched along the left-hand wall, all the way to the back of the main room, and from a door behind it poured forth the smells of cooking. A large fireplace roared opposite the bar, and Old Crispy frowned at the flames, licking logs and crackling. Only a few of the men and women bothered to raise their heads from conversation to look at him, though the bartender immediately pulled down a wooden mug and moved to the near end. Cold outside, traveler, the man said, plunking the empty mug on the counter. He had a full head of thick black hair and an accompanying beard. His nose was off-center. What can I pour to warm you up? I've got ale and brandy and a new stout, fresh from the barrel. Old Crispy pursed his thin, dry lips before sitting on a tall stool at the bar. Tea, if you will. He shook out his sleeves and steepled his fingers before his mouth, resting his elbows on the hard oak countertop. Black, or as close as you have out here. The barkeep paused, his eyebrows trying to climb up under the thick black mop atop his head. Tea? he asked, perplexed, and glanced through the window as if reassuring himself that it was indeed snowing. Very well. He withdrew the large wooden mug and pulled down a smaller cup before disappearing through the door to the kitchen old crispy harrumphed settling his aching hips into a more comfortable position on the hard stool his gaze drifted down the bar and he twisted himself to look back across the rest of the tavern when his eyes fell upon the large fireplace he frowned again and the flames seemed to diminish heathens he sighed to himself the door opened once again letting in a gust of chill snowy air and two young women Their voices were raised as they chattered away, moving from the door to a table close to the fire. Old Crispy's brows drew down in disapproval. He shook his head and closed his eyes, saying a brief prayer for their souls. His duty to the people here was going to be difficult, he knew, but somehow he had retained a kernel of hope that they would not be so far from the faith. Here you are, old man, the barkeeper said, and set the mug in front of Old Crispy, now steaming and filled nearly to the brim with a dark, aromatic tea. "'If you'd like, I'd left some room for a splash of something.' He raised his eyebrows suggestively and jerked a thumb over his shoulder at the bottles of spirits on the shelf. "'Put a little edge in it. Take the edge off, if you get me.' Old Crispy scowled. "'No.' "'What fools these people were. "'They needed heathen practices and strong liquor to stay warm "'when they could live contentedly in the warmth of the flame and the faith. "'Not that there weren't plenty of fools back in the Empire who turned to strong drink all too often.' "'Excuse me,' Old Crispy said, doing his best to remove the gruff, raspy tone from his voice. "'It was not easy. He was an old man, after all. "'Is the judge in tonight, by chance?' "'The judge?' the man behind the bar answered. "'He is, actually. Why do you need him?' His eyes trailed over Old Crispy's black robes, with just a touch of gold embroidered on the cuffs and the hood. "'You're not from here. Why would the judge talk to you?' Old Crispy felt a smile tug at the corners of his mouth. Good. Let them get their backs up about him being an outsider. It gave him a stronger stance in the long run. I have come to spread the flame of Pyrrhonism. It is my holy duty to bring all those who are pure of soul into the light of the flame. The man snorted. Flame? We got our fire right over there. He trailed off as the fire, once roaring, died in an instant. The uproar from the patrons was similarly abrupt, and the tavern plunged into darkness. Old Crispy smiled, his resolve firm. He could see well enough in the dark, as he had the flame within him, guiding his sight and his mind. Everyone needs the flame. The faith is welcoming and embraces all. Though he spoke softly, the bartender listened, and the rest of the patrons quieted. He turned one hand over, palm up, and spoke a small prayer into the bated silence. "'Grant us the spark of life, O flame of goodness. "'By the flame, let it be so.' "'A susurration went through those gathered around, "'a whisper of awe, as a single tongue of bright white fire "'ignited the air above old Crispy's palm. "'He smiled and, with his free hand, "'reached over to grasp his mug. "'He took a sip of the tea and paused, savoring the taste. "'It was barely half-decent, "'a bitter brew with the taste of metal "'hidden beneath the herbal tones.' His smile smile soured a bit, but this was a time for theater, more than anything. He rose and turned toward the score or so of villagers staring at him with wide eyes in the semi-darkness. His flame glinted off shocked faces, reflecting from the irises of lost souls beginning to see the light. There is only one truth in this world, and that is the flame. Without it, you cannot live. The flame grants light. The flame grants warmth. The flame life. There was a moment of stunned, contemplative silence before one man ripped his cloak from where it lay over the back of a chair, shouted an obscenity, and stormed out into the snowy night. The door slamming shut was the breaking point. In a bustle of shadowy, panicked movements, the crowd rushed for the door in the cold safety of sanity, away from old Crispy's flame. In heartbeats, he was left alone with the bartender, who was attempting to plaster himself to the wall beneath the shelves of beer and spirits behind the bar. "'There was nothing to be afraid of,' Old Crispy said, trying to keep his voice smooth. "'The flame is a natural thing. It is the proper order of life.' "'Who—what are you?' the bartender whispered, his voice shaking. His eyes were trying to get wider and wider as Old Crispy sat back on his stool. "'I am Crispin, a Pyrene priest of the Seventh Shade.' "'I have come to bring the flame to you.' "'At that, the man gasped. "'A missionary!' "'He turned and fled. "'Old Crispy sighed, his legs too achy to run after him. "'Burning fools, the lot of them. "'He waved his hand and muttered another prayer, "'setting the fireplace back alight. "'This time, the flames did no more than lick the wood. "'No smoke rose and no wood actually burned. "'A bunch of burning heathens "'meddling with things they don't understand.' He settled on his stool, shifting once again to find the most comfortable seat. His hands wrapped gently around the still-steaming mug of tea, and he took another small sip. It would have burned the tongue of any other man in the village, but not him. No, he smiled as he sipped, trying to savor what pleasure there was in a mediocre brew. There, in the warm glow of the fire, Old Crispy sat and waited for the judge to arrive. Whoever it was, there was simply no chance that this village's judge could afford to ignore his presence. The tea dwindled. The fire did not. Finally, after what Old Crispy reckoned to be more than an hour, the murmur of a crowd grew. He sighed, smiled, and pushed away. He shook out his sleeves and straightened his back. After a moment of consideration, he pulled the hood of his black robe over his thinning white hair. It would add to the effect. Before the crowd could assault the empty tavern, Old Crispy went to the door, opened it, and stood waiting, silhouetted against the glow of the fire inside. "'Gathered in the street was a mob. "'Likely all the men in the village "'and many of the women, too. "'At his appearance, they growled and shouted "'and hoisted torches. "'He held his ground, sure of himself. "'He had seen similar things in countless villages before "'and calmed them down with a display of faith. "'It was getting a bit old, though. "'At the head of the crowd was a woman of middling height, "'beyond her prime, with gray hair hanging loose "'under the cowl of her thick winter cloak.' In the lurid light of the torches, her face seemed cast in sharp angles, scowling at him through the snow. Old Crispy met her eyes, shadowed as they were. I am Judge Kisa, priest. Tessem told me you wanted to speak with me, and that you threatened him with arson. Old Crispy could not stop his snort of amusement. Arson? Not quite loud enough to be heard by the crowd. What a jokester that man must be. Speak clearly, priest. We do not take kindly to strangers coming here to force strange customs upon us, and less so to those who threaten the livelihood of our town. The judge crossed her arms and planted her feet more firmly in the snow, as though she were digging into a trench in the mines. Old Crispy leaned back against the frame of the doorway, unwilling to put himself in the snow where they could surround him. Talking them down was all well and good, but if they did something foolish, he had no desire to be swarmed. I threaten nothing upon you, good judge. I have come to bring the light of the flame to this dark area of the world. The truth of Pyrrhanism is beneficial to all. Angry mutters arose. One man shouted, Who is he to say that our village is dark? While another growled, I don't need no stupid Pyrran whatever. Old Crispy closed his eyes, willing himself not to let out a sigh of exasperation. These blasted notions were almost as recalcitrant as the Tinnish "'You live in a cold world here in the mountains. "'I understand it. "'I myself live only a little ways south "'above the mines in Icefall. "'I know how important heat and light and fire are "'for strong people such as yourselves, "'forging your lives ahead in a harsh land.' "'His flattery did little good.' "'The judge scowled. "'You can give us nothing. "'We have our fire already.' "'She gestured to the torches burning "'and flickering in the snowy night. "'We do not need some spiritual fire.' Old Crispy shook his head, sad that they could not see the truth. Perhaps a demonstration would be necessary. He stepped away from the doorway and out into the road, his boots crunching in the frozen white layer atop it. He breathed in, filling his lungs and concentrating his mind. The bartender, t gave a frightened yell as Old Crispy approached. He's doing it again! That's the look he had when he tried to burn down my tavern! Not yet fully prepared, Old Crispy could only groan. Oh, burn me, as the mob descended upon him in a panicked frenzy of grasping hands and threatening torches. He was seized, dragged through the snow by a ravening mob of terrified villagers. Tessem was particularly vocal, though he stayed away from Old Crispy and let a few of the burlier men do the direct handling. Their hands dug into his arms and shoulders with iron grips. He was no longer a spry youth, and he felt his muscles protest, bruising he hoped they wouldn't kill him before he had a chance to, well, to do anything. The judge strode with purpose along with those accosting him. She alone remained silent, her stern face brooding and pensive beneath her hood, studying Old Crispy through a thickening snowfall. He stared back at her, meeting those dark, dark eyes, and made his decision. Old Crispy lowered his mind into himself, seeking the white-hot spirit within. He closed his eyes letting the crowd lead him where they would, and instead guided himself to the warm embrace of the flame. His breathing evened out, slowing down, and his aging heart settled. His mind narrowed, concentrating. Like a careful sculptor, he molded the flame, that spirit beneath him, and began to push on it from the inside. When he was ready, he opened his eyes and came back to the present world, and found himself being tied to a tall, thick, wooden pole in a circle cleared of snow. Wood was piled beneath him, and the mob gathered close, torches in hand. Judge Kisa stood to the side, watching the proceedings. When she noticed his eyes were open, she spoke. We do not want any part of you here, priest. Your threats and your superstitions do not belong in Neranasha. She reached out an open hand, and Tessem, the bartender, eagerly placed a torch in her palm. You speak so much of the flame. Well, you can have it. She tossed her torch into the pile of wood at his feet and withdrew. Others followed suit, and soon the flames crackled in the fuel, reaching for his feet. The townsfolk watched in satisfied silence as old Crispy kicked his feet, trying to keep his boots and robes from catching light. He wanted to laugh, but he needed his concentration to remain sharp. With the nurturing hands of prayer, he whispered and pushed. As one, every torch still held in the crowd was snuffed. Lamps, seen glowing in the windows of nearby houses, died. The newborn inferno below him moved, parting around his feet and climbing in thin tendrils to eat at the bonds holding him to the pole. He stared out at those who would burn him alive, watching their utterly shocked faces, knowing that his own eyes were glowing with the inner light of the flame. "'You have been living in the darkness of lies,' old Crispy said." his voice crackling with the sound of fire. Your refusal of the faith and the flame has led you astray and driven you to attempt the murder of an old man, one who came with nothing but good intention. Your heathen blindness allowed this man, old Crispy gestured at Tessam, the charred ropes falling away from his arms, to defame me with lies and threats. I should leave now and let you wallow in the cold shadows of unbelief. Choked silence answered him. Only the judge and two or three others met his gaze. But I will not. I will not, because that would be against the dictates of the faith. The flame is meant for all who would believe. He stepped through the burnt and blackened wood scraps, the fire behind him dying even as the fire before his feet parted to let him pass. His voice hardened, and the sound of a thousand raging infernos whispered behind his words. Would you believe and come into the light of the flame? He let the remaining fire around the pole die, plunging the village into darkness. His mind was firm. There would be no fires allowed to burn without the faith to guide them. Only the low glow from his eyes remained, shining upon the people. Finally, the judge fidgeted and spoke. What is it that we need to believe? She hesitated, turned her head as if to look for support among her people, and stopped. Her voice firmed. What is this truth that you refer to? Old Crispy felt the first twinge of victory. The flame is the basis of all life, and the truth of the flame is in the hands of only those blessed by it. Your heathen methods are false. The lies that shadowed your sight will fall away in the light of the flame. Only a priest can create fire. But I just lit this torch only a few minutes ago, a voice called from the back of the crowd. Did you, Old Crispy answered, did you really? Why is it not lit now, then? Only low murmurs were the response. I tell you now and truthfully, come into the light of the faith, and you will have true fire, the true flame to light, to guide, to warm your lives.
0: Very nice. Don't
2: mess with old Crispy.
0: (laughs) Dude. That was. I want that. I want you to record some of that so I can fall asleep, <laughs> so I can fade off to sleep and listening to that beautiful little bit of, dude, old crispy is my man. While the uh, old crispy the is my man soothes you to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, right at the beginning, you had this line. This was as you were just getting used to the the exposition, the description, there was, it was also thoroughly heathen. That line right there, the context that it gives, the way it, it sets you up and, and levels your palette, that is, oh my goodness, that was awesome. That was awesome right there. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Very, very good imagery. Um,
1: uh, in addition to, yeah. and I, uh I, I, I've always had a soft spot for this particular story, for this particular
0: world. Um, yeah, I'm a little envious in that you've read this before and I haven't. This is, this that was, yeah. I well, well, Pat story. hasn't read the short story, but he's read all Flips yeah. cast. Oh, well, I've, I've read, I mean, I know of Old Crispy, but right? okay, yeah.
1: okay. Right, I mean, got the you. Old got Crispy you. and like the whole universe has been this, the subject of much discussion for a long time yeah and, and in fact
3: the the seed that gave this story life was Pat's idea Pat originally came to me you know we back when we worked together and, and we had many hours of drudgery and boredom to, uh, oh, to yes. discuss our way through Pat, Pat came to me and he said you know like you know how cool would it be I think originally it was an idea for a video game He was like how cool would it be to, you know if there was a video game like a you know, an RPG or, or you know something like World of Warcraft where um there's there's this religion that worships fire and the capital city is shaped like a flame and uh and and
1: I yeah. took that and and ran with it yeah, like and that with the tears with the tears that yes down into the ocean um Actually if I remember correctly, it wasn't even it wasn't even as well formed as like a book or a video game or anything like that. It was just think about this world. yeah that could do that could be anything.
3: You yeah, because I, mean? I, I remember that we, we started talking about it with our friend Max and and he was he's a, a video game developer uh, and and so we were talking about it in terms of a video game, and then I did a. Uh, an independent study my final semester of college on on world building. And I wrote the first three chapters of a book. And now this was back in 2012, very different from what the first three chapters of All Flames Cast are. <laughs> the book was called Seeds of Doubt at the time. There was a, it was a whole whole different thing, but I, it eventually, you know, grew and developed into into this, you know. And, and so I, I wrote this short story after I had written All Flames Cast
1: yeah no it's
0: a it's a wonderful story and a wonderful world that i just can't i can't wait to get my my hands on more of it yeah i mean i mean dude you've got situational drama right there at the beginning the fire dies right as the barkeep is talking about it that was that was that was just a chef's kiss Will you guys please
2: disregard your other responsibilities and just finish these and get them published? (laughs) Like, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it. All
0: other responsibilities that you have, I'm with Jared. Just just disregard these. Yeah, I need to... eight weeks locked in a room, and then... Well,
3: I will have you know, I'm going to spend about 11 days next month on a writing retreat, so... Dude, dude, Hmm? true,
0: true. The irises of lost souls. (laughs) Lyricism. Lyricism in there. I just... See, oh. it's funny.
3: It's funny you say it because I don't think of myself, I don't think of my style as being particularly vivid or lyrical. Certainly not like what you wrote in, in your piece. Uh, oh, bullshit. I
0: thought uh, bullshit I, on that.
3: Right now. <laughs> now. I've always thought of mine as being like more just like grounding in a sense of place and character and... Uh, you know and, and trying to build narrative through that and and one of the things I, I always have wished that I were better at is that like
0: beautiful language the cold shadows of dis- of unbelief drew that was <laughs> that was dope Come on
3: <laughs> well I'm glad you think so <laughs> I, I feel like they're too too few and far between but but it's something I am always you know I'm always trying to work on.
1: Um, well, like I said to Rob, keep at it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah, no. No, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's 15 years in the making. Why not keep going for, oh shit, 18 years in the making. Why not keep going for another 30, right? Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think our, our next segment coming up here is our uh, AMA or AUA. Ask us anything.
0: Ask us anything. Yeah, we
3: mommage. do have a, a yep. do uh, a few questions. Um, I, I have one uh, from Lady Sweden on Discord, uh, just asking how did you and Rob meet? Shall I tell uh, the story? <laughs> yeah, I think this is
0: this is you, Rob. So I have told the story before on the Inking and Loud podcast. I have told this before. Um, there was a Facebook post somewhere between the years of 2009 and 2010 where. Brandon Sanderson was doing a particular signing, I think it was, although I will not state that as fact. I saw a picture on a Facebook group where there were uh, two cosplayers posing for a picture. And one was wearing white as Ellen Venture from Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn series, and the other was wearing black as an Ashaman from the Wheel of Time series and as we covered in our uh 27th episode i want to say it was for the eye of the world um these two people were drew mccaffrey and pat mccaffrey our sound engineer they were uh, attending that party there And I, uh, I I was like Who the hell were these guys I, I added Drew over Facebook After he was tagged And we talked for a little bit We found out that we liked The same video games The same metal bands And Drew you showed me Nightwish I, I came to love Nightwish at that point Drew and I go back all the way to 2010 I want to say uh, it, When I found him in a Facebook uh,
3: It was 2009 um, Was it? So it was Halloween 2009. Uh, it was a it was a Halloween party uh, that Pat and I dressed up as, and and my uh, my ex girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, went as Vin. You uh, just
0: went as a in a as a to a Halloween party.
4: Yeah.
3: Y- That's yep. Awesome. Uh, that party- That's awesome. In fact, uh, Rob, I'm gonna I'm gonna tag you in the photo. You know, maybe I should just share the photo when we release sure this episode. Oh gosh,
1: um, I have my awful long hair in that.
0: <laughs> you do. Pat has long hair. Well, you. Oh, sh- I got. I've got. Wait, to wait, see wait,
3: this. wait. What? Oh, what? Jared, it's not the photo. Okay, not <laughs> <laughs> There's a, there's also an infamous photo on Facebook of Pat and Jared and myself uh, with photo. like the three worst haircuts or lack thereof in existence. <laughs> um, it was it was
2: truly horrific. But, I don't remember who I was at that at the Halloween v. party?
1: You were v. No. v for Vendetta. Yes, at the Halloween oh, party. That's
3: oh, right. you were the,
0: Guy Fox. The, yeah, the bad or haircut the,
3: uh, picture yeah. was from a, a different party. Mm. Um, but but the, the best part of this story of how we met, Rob, you know, friend requested me. And uh, I I am of the practice that I don't generally accept friend requests from people I don't know in real life on Facebook. But uh, when my family moved to Colorado in in the mid-90s for about four years, there was a family that lived behind us, the Santoses, and they had a son named Rob who was a year younger than me. And I – so I see this friend request from Rob Santos show up in my inbox and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it's my backdoor neighbor. I haven't seen this kid in like – you know, eight years or whatever it was. (laughs) And it wasn't until like two years in of like talking with Rob. I mean, like, you know, I accept the friend request and it's like, oh my gosh, like this kid grew up to be super cool. He loves like all the same music. He reads the same books. He plays the same video games as I like, and, and then there was like one point where Rob said something about Canada. And, and I was like, You live in Canada now. And Rob was like, oh, I've always lived, like, I was born in Canada. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not the same Rob (laughs) Santos.
1: Yeah.
0: Related to that,
1: I love how it took Rob, like, 11 years to find out that it was me in the picture.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) The exact same kind of scenario is just you think, you make assumption, and then suddenly your whole world is turned around. Mm hmm.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, Rob, do we uh, how about you pull up a question from Facebook here?
0: OK, uh, I'll give us one from uh, Facebook here. Let's see here um, from Nisha Adelman, who was a guest on our coverage of City of Brass. She asks, I, I actually want to know if you've ever gotten a hangover from the show <laughs> in a reference to. My actual Facebook post asking uh, questions for this year. So, oh my goodness, yes. A memory of life for my part. Yeah, no. I generally get badly hungover or outright sick if I have beer, and I think I, I think I have an intolerance to hops. I was far more like I, I get far more hungover on two beers than I do on like a quarter bottle of liquor. But oh wow, <laughs> oh oh,
3: yeah. You might have more. like some allergy or something.
0: Some sort of intolerance to hops, I'm thinking. But the names of those beers are sometimes just so good that I, like, I punish myself for the sake of <laughs> a stupid joke, right? And uh, far more, you know, often than is healthy. But I suppose if healthy is what I'm going for, I'm not going for the final draft at all, right? Liquor, on the other hand, anytime I'm I'm not bringing beer, which is, you know, somewhat often, I'm, I'm bringing a choice liquor. Uh, once or twice, I've sincerely regretted that. <laughs> One time in particular that comes to mind is during an episode uh, number 64. I wrote this down. i recovering the the last battle in the Wheel of Time. I think Ooh. it was during that episode. It might have been the next episode, 65, but I'm pretty sure it was 64. Yeah. Um, near the conclusion of the Wheel of Time, <laughs> we had a segment. I think it was my my idea for the. Segment it was where your idea. The characters that we were sending off having sacrificed their lives in the struggle against the shadow um, I wanted to raise a toast to each one and during our list (laughs) I was drinking a whiskey of some sort I want to say it was maker's mark I'm not entirely certain it was maker's mark but I was drinking a straight whiskey not a very good thing to be doing (laughs) when you're taking a dozen or two dozen uh, uh, toasts over the course of a few minutes right? yeah I want to say it was, and spoilers for the Wheel of Time for the next five seconds, I want to say it was right before or right after we got into Hurin's name. Sorry, my phone is going off there. Hurin, I think it was, Mm. where my stomach decided, you know what, we're not doing this. And I proceeded to (laughs) run to the bathroom right outside this room here and bring up everything I had been drinking on the next episode. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Drew, you are lucky that this beautiful headset of mine has this mute function where all I have to do is rotate the microphone <laughs> upwards. Oh, because geez. if I didn't, you would have heard some shit. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I did not. So. Well,
3: we have a, a, another question here. This, this comes from Twitter. Uh, the uh, Heroes Journey podcast. Uh, great guys over there. You should check them out if you haven't. Uh, both Rob Absolutely. and I have I've been on there. Yeah, yeah, both Rob and I have done some some guest appearances with them. Uh, they ask, what was the most difficult book for us to discuss? Oh, my God. And I want to hear thoughts from Jared and Pat on this.
1: It was the Axe um, books for me. Yeah. Uh, I found that very uh, emotionally draining. <laughs> Especially Blade of Taishal. That right. Was, it was just difficult, and it was difficult to read, and then it was difficult to discuss it mm-hmm. uh, in a way that w- would be at all interesting.
2: Okay, yeah. It's um, hard to say, at least for me. I've been a fan of all the books for which I've been on the episode. I guess maybe... <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know, it's hard to say.
0: I would say huh. King's Law for how hard it was to follow. Yeah. Uh, um, the Way of Kings for the fact that I knew I wasn't going to be able to do this again, and so I wasn't able to con- encapsulate all of my thoughts into uh-huh. one episode. Uh-huh. Uh, um, yeah. No, I need, I need some more thought about that. That, that. That's a very good question. I'd say Cain's Law or... Way of Kings. Mine would probably know, if if I'm
2: just like, I'd have to probably pick Bleak Seasons for me. Just I was wondering if you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that book was hard for me to get through. Yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't. I, have a, I didn't dislike it though. I, like. <sighs> yeah, I mean,
3: I I have thoughts on it. I guess I I gave a lot of those thoughts on on Bleak Seasons. Um but I I was expecting, Jared, that you were gonna save League Seasons. Yeah. Um for myself, it is undoubtedly The Ruin of Kings by Jen Lyons. Right. Um not because I didn't have anything to say about it, but because I so thoroughly did not like that book. <laughs> I had to I'm so there with you. Yep. I had to really think about what I was going to say. Um, normally, I I just kind of talk off, you know, off the cuff. I, I give my my literary analysis and, and then I give my emotional, you know, thoughts. And with Ruin of Kings, I actually had to consider what I was going to say and how I was going to frame it and be like, all right, how negative do I want to be? Do I want to make this a thing where I I say I didn't like it, but then I just talk about the things I did like within it, or am I going to commit to saying, look, no holds barred on this podcast, and and I can't say I went no holds barred on that book, but I was certainly the most negative about that book than than any other book, you know we've yeah. we've covered.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah I've just. I've just uh, found my answer that I had written down for that uh, question. Yeah, it was Cain's Law for how hard it was to follow. Ruin of Kings for how bad it was. <laughs> and then The Way of Kings for, you know, it mean, right. might have been my last time being able to say entirely what I thought about it. But yeah, I, I
1: agree with you, that. You, uh, it's good that you guys did that, though, because you get honest opinions on this podcast. We're not here to please anybody with what we're saying. Like, this is what oh, we hey, really if you, think yeah. about all these books. you know, it, it just so happens to be we more often than not are reading books that are good.
3: I, I, this ties into uh, another one of the questions we got on Twitter where, where the Phantology podcast um, asked us, what is the most important thing you've learned since your first episode? And I think oh, this okay. ties into it. Just because of what we've done since then, I think had I chosen to say... I didn't like this book, but here's the good things about it rather than giving my honest opinion on it. I would not have been able to give any kind of an honest review. I I don't even think I would have been able to say, yes, we'll cover house of sticks, which ended up being a book I greatly enjoyed, but there was pressure uh, that I put on myself with that where I'm like, look, we had a publisher reach out to us and say, Hey, you know, uh, the author of this new science fiction book that we're publishing uh, has enjoyed your podcast and we want to know if, if you'd like to have an advanced review copy and release an episode on it. If we hadn't made that choice with Ruin of Kings to say we're going to be honest here, I would not have felt comfortable reviewing you know, an, an arc of a book because otherwise it would have just come across as like, oh – of course we're going to say good things about it. But no, it was like because I had established for myself and, and for Rob, I mean, he he had similar, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, a similar thing. I, I was able to sure. read House of Sticks, say, yes, we'll cover this, read it and give an honest review. Thankfully, and I cannot stress this enough, I was relieved by how good that book was (laughs) because i was scared i was like i know that this guy listens to our podcast i do and he's for sure gonna listen to the episode on his book and and i'm gonna be i'm gonna feel so bad if i hate it but it was really good so
0: (laughs) yeah i remember that episode that was a very fun episode that was an episode where i got to take over the reins for giving us our recap and and announcing all the french names yeah no that was that was, that was a fun episode. Um, to, to follow up on that, you know, Fantology on Twitter, what is the most important thing you've learned since your first episode, since we've already talked about that? I would say the most important thing I've learned, back up, back up, back up, back up. <laughs> and don't freak out so much over meeting new and somewhat prestigious guests. You know, odds are that they're just another person too. And now that I've appeared at least on one other podcast any new guest is likely to be more nervous to meet you on your show than you are on, you know, meeting them or or, or at least uh, uh, shit, I'm going to go back and say that again any new guest is more likely to be nervous to meet you on your show than you are to have them on your show, so just chill a little bit, the best content comes from relaxed content, and get their damn names right, Rob there's one time that I called (laughs) Craig Hanks Greg which makes me cringe to this day and there was one time Don't even get me started on this That I called Daniel Green Craig So yep, <laughs> It was excellent Just, It was so good God damn dude Get the names right Don't fuck around What What are you doing? Uh, well from Production standpoint I'd say
1: Do it right the first time
0: Exactly Yeah 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 um,
3: So Rob uh, How about another question From Facebook
0: Okay, so um, let's see here. This would be from... Oh, this... this okay, this is from Danielle, F- uh, Felcandy, our own Inking Out Loud artist. Yes. She asks, how many times oh, have God. you had to re-record <sighs> since we started? <sighs> With a laughing emoji. Oh, boy. So, I'll start this off saying, as of right now, we've had to do it once and a half. <laughs> we unfortunately lost our audio for the original sit down of The Shadow Rising part 1 yep. with special guest Peter Goebel. and Jared you were on that episode too. Uh, I forget I forget which one of us lost the audio, but it doesn't matter. It it's was all water well it
3: wasn't just one of us. It was like Jared and Peter and me, because we were all sitting in front of the same mic and we didn't notice oh. the mic stand had been loosened and the mic fell down and was sitting flat against the like acoustic box that it was in. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't receiving anything. It was yeah. it was like anyway, you know,
0: blocked. <sighs> oh. Yeah. So I think it was uh, when we sat down to record the next week that we just had screw it we did both parts one and two we recorded part one for the shadow rising in the same sitting so we had like well over four hours of talking in one sitting on the first like
3: 150 pages of of the shadow rising
0: thanks to jared and peter gobel shout out goes to peter gobel for committing that just committing to that monster that day for us that was awesome
2: of course, it's, Jared, it's the one. It's the one where you have the great conversation. Is the one that you accidentally miss. Of course, and
3: and this brings oh, us into obvious. the the point five that Rob brought up. We have not yet re-recorded it, but we have to. Water sleeps, part two.
0: That was not my part five. Oh, my my my! Sorry, my point five. But go ahead. Oh, <laughs> it's another time. There's another Wait, thing we forgot to do.
3: What yeah, do we forget Dreams to steal?
0: Final draft. Oh, well, I mean, that's not half an episode. That was
3: like five minutes of content. But, but no, yeah, Water yeah, Sleeps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Dreams of Steel, we just fall on forgot to do a final draft.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Which I don't so, know how. Um, yeah, we uh, recorded at the top of the show the week following, and we just jumped straight into the next episode like nothing happened. This is where our sound engineer, Pat, just gets another nod, tip of the hat. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's because of him that we can get away with shit like that.
1: Yes, I work in the shadows. Yeah,
0: um,
1: and and but yeah,
3: I'm I'm still like heartbroken over Water Sleeps Part Two. Um, it was it was full stop, just a a fuck up by Drew. Um, I I never exported my audio file after recording, and I lost it. Two yeah. it was like two hours and twenty six minutes, and it was a phenomenal episode. Oh my god! I was I had
0: such oh.
3: It, it, well, it kills me because Rob, especially Rob, you had such like an emotional response to the end of that yep. book.
0: I had such a turning point for the Black Company at that moment. And I brought on this beard that I was so perfect for it. Like, I <sighs> waxed rhapsodic about the ending of Water Sleeps. And that episode is god now. So as of the recording of this episode, as we answer this question, what's up, Danielle? Yeah, we have to re- re-record Water Sleeps Part 2. And that's going to be difficult Uh, to do with the same amount of emotional response now that i'm so far past it i finished the black company since then yeah (laughs) dude oh my (laughs) god a water sleeves part two is you know what if of of all the parts of all the books i would i think i would choose water sleeves part two that was so good Uh,
3: well i have a another question from lady sweden on discord on a on a happier note what was the best final draft you've had in 100 episodes?
0: Um, for myself, for Drew, I would Just, say... What do you think was the best one? Oh, it'd have to be one of yours. I would say it would be Maiden's Kiss. Maiden's Kiss was good. I would say good. it's Maiden's Kiss or the possibility of one key. Oh, I forgot about One Key. Yeah, I know you did. Yeah. Yeah. On, uh, on. I brought that on for Shorefall. Uh, I tried oh, to uh, trade sorry, for Wolf's it Wedding. for Foundryside. was yeah. <sighs> Wolf's My favorite was so for good.
3: me was probably Endless Ending, although I loved Adventures in
0: Time Surfing
3: for Bleak Seasons.
0: Oh, dude, that was pretty good. Oh, Jared had Youthful, um, uh, Fearless oh, Youth. for Fearless Youth for Skyward. Yes. Skyward, yeah. Yeah, that was really, really good. Oh, man. Um, yeah, life, so... Oh, I had uh, I had Life in the Clouds for the Rodeon sequence in The Wheel of Time. See, I wish you had brought on Life in the Clouds for House oh, of Sticks. Oh, for House of Sticks? It would have been so good. I was just yeah. listening to She is the Darkness Part 2. Yeah, I was lamenting that, I think, in that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've okay. had some good ones, but I don't remember. So. <laughs> oh, I, uh, Pat, all I remember from you is your drinking horn. Oh, oh, Where is yeah. that drinking horn? Oh, uh, it's upstairs. You gotta bring that on um, next episode, dude. What's yeah, I mean, I was drinking horn?
1: wine. I was drinking wine this time, and uh, I mean, I guess you can drink wine. Gotta get
3: some horn. mead. Gotta get some mead for the horn.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. All
3: right. Uh, okay. What else on Facebook do we have?
0: Okay, so um, Facebook. Okay, so this this question oh. is obviously gonna happen. Um, favorite guests. This is both from. Uh, Craig Hanks, and it's also from Joy as well. Joy, who was a long-time uh, listener. Joy, I, I
3: will also say this is also from Nisha Adelman on Twitter. Who was your favorite guest, and why was it me?
1: <laughs> oh, great. Well, I'm sorry, Nisha. I was already I'm sorry, but but you know, I'm taking the I'm taking the throne.
0: Pat's, Pat's I, yeah, choosing like...
1: himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yeah, Jared. Who would you say? Having appeared on this epi- on this podcast about 15, 20 times, mm, myself, duh. Oh, oh! He is the supreme of overlord,
1: side. of course. This means <laughs> he's not overlord. a peon.
0: Uh, super cactic, uh, super galactic captain. At one point, I think I gave him the title.
1: Listeners <laughs> to Don, next week, Jared, Jared Livingston and I, will supreme leader. To death to determine- <laughs> 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 An episode um, just
3: me no, and Pat. I, <clears throat> I honestly don't know if I can like pick a, a single favorite guest. Um this isn't just me being like you know, like, oh I gotta be political. Like I feel like Cop all of our guests have been a ton of fun to have on. Uh, mm-hmm. however, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak this into existence. Whenever we get to the wise of Lakamora, it is a it is a Bucket list item for me that I will create my favorite guest ever on The Eking Out Loud podcast. And I'm going to do everything in my power to get Matthew Woodring Stover on as a guest for it. And I'm sorry, that Jared. I'm it. sorry, Pat. I'm sorry, Nisha. I'm sorry, Craig. <laughs> if we get Matthew freaking Stover on the podcast,
0: it's game over. <laughs> it's game over. No, I can't blame you. That would be um, the end of my life. I would just be like, oh, that's it. I've achieved it. <laughs> I'm just going to coast from this point. Wait. Matthew Stover for Lies of Locke Lamora?
3: Yes. He okay, So I'm he like- and Scott Lynch are great friends and Red Seas Under yeah. Red Skies is dedicated oh. to Matthew Stover.
1: Okay, okay, that explains it.
0: Yes. So, yeah, for the question of favorite guests, I mean, how can I pick one? That's cruel. I like, to us. That's cruel to us as much as it is to them. Like, I'm, <laughs> I love our very...
3: guests who were asking,
0: who's your favorite guest? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I'm so thankful for appearances from guys like Daniel Green, Craig Hanks, both of whom are a bit above our level of and, popularity. And Those guys Megan, are true And OGs. Megan
3: from The Legendarium. Uh, the episode will be out in just a couple of days on Stormfront. Uh, yep. Megan Smythe from The Legendarium yep. you know, came on. It, we've been very, very lucky uh, to get the guests that we have.
0: Oh, to cover yeah, to cover Dres- uh, Dresden Files, the first mm-hmm. of the Dresden Files with Megan Smite, that was just one of the funnest parts of this year for me. Um, let's see here. I mean, Rob Winchell, he was a huge source of laughs, <laughs> yes. for our uh, episodes on on The Great Hunt. I mean, Pat your sister meg was a lot of the same i remember having a lot of uh, just a huge blast recording episodes on warbreaker with meg uh the extended mccaffrey family in general especially for crossroads of twilight with oh Aunt yeah and, and and anna that was a lot of fun yeah uh
3: that that theory segment on crossroads of twilight was excellent
1: um, yeah yeah that episode was awesome
3: yeah. And, and, you know, and then, of course, you know, Nisha, one of the ones who asked this question, she was on for City of Brass, uh, which was a book that we probably wouldn't have covered had, you know, she not recommended it. And I'm glad we did. You know, it was something that brought us outside of our normal, you know, kind of our normal box as a, as a podcast. We got to do something a little different. And I ended up enjoying that book a lot. And and it was, it was great having... Her perspective, uh, because she's another writer, you know, Um, but she's a writer in like from kind of a different tradition, at least for me. Uh, She doesn't have the same sort of like, uh, like super rigorous, like academic background. She's like a self-made writer and she is super prolific. Um, I am not joking. Nisha writes so much. She she writes hundreds of thousands of words a year. Um, like way she writes way more than I do, <laughs> but so it was really cool Good, like having very nice. her, you know, like having that. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's like Rob said. It's really really difficult to to choose a favorite. Um, I I have a, another question from Lady Sweden on uh, on Discord, and I love this question. She said, "If you could have written one of the books you've covered." Which one would you have liked your name on the The cover of most?
0: What? Wow, that was fast. That was (laughs) real
3: fast. I mean, I think for me it's got to be Heroes Die.
0: Wow. Okay, I can see that. I can see that, though. That's a difficult question.
3: Now, Now, it changes if the paycheck from the sales... (laughs) <laughs> comes to me. Uh, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> because then it's... the First Rule by Terry Goodkind. I don't know. Yeah, uh,
3: then it's A Memory of Light. <laughs> oh, I mean... I don't even okay. want to know what the advance was on that book, much less the number of copies it sold. <laughs> Deserve to <it as laughs> so. sell.
4: Um, oh, yeah.
3: God.
0: Such a good book.
3: Um, well, and we have another one from Discord from The Solution... What section of what book do you regret not filming a reaction for? Well, Rob.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How can I tell this is coming towards me? I would say.
3: Something from the end of Rhythm of War.
0: (laughs) Chapter 113 uh, in Rhythm of War. Actually, from the end of Rhythm of War and from the end of Oathbringer, too, because my last recorded reaction is from the end of Words of Radiance. Yeah, um, I am Unity in hmm. Oathbringer. And basically the entire last 5%, 10% of Rhythm of War. No, 15% of Rhythm of War. Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely stupid that I don't have recorded reactions for those. Yeah, sorry, (laughs) dude. I mean, I I let everybody down. I admit it. It's my B. Oh, man.
3: Uh, So we, we we have one from Meg on Facebook, don't we? I know what this is. Uh, what is our, uh, our favorite, what was it, Guilty Pleasure TV show?
0: It was, what are your favorite trash
3: TV shows to watch? Trash TV shows. Okay. Jared, Sorry. I want to hear from you. Uh,
2: oh. Is there one you're thinking of? Not necessarily, but I, I want to. I got I to gotta think <laughs> about it.
1: Um, oh, you know you have thing, a trash TV show. The only thing that comes to mind, I... Binge watched. I don't know if you guys have seen or even heard of this show. Uh, it's the first season of King of the Nerds. It was like a I, reality did I know that. TV show, like nerdy competition. Like they got all these like cosplayers and stuff. Oh no. Their house. And I only watched it because <laughs> there was like this one girl on there that I thought was super hot. Sure. <laughs> understandable, like understandable. Ten yep. years ago or something like that. It happens. It was it, a, happens. it was. It is. It qualifies as trash TV. Yeah, yeah. And a guilty pleasure. I can't well, think I'm, of. I've got is. one for sure. Like I cannot
3: deny that it's it's trash. And also, I watch it all the time. Uh, my wife and I watch <laughs> Deadly Women. It's on <laughs> Hulu. It is, like, the cheesiest it, – it, all, all the episodes – so each episode is, like, three murder stories with, like, so-called experts uh, giving commentary while they're doing, like, a dramatic reenactment of the story. And it's all about, like, women who killed other people. And they always have these horrible, cheesy names, terrible puns. The writing is brutal, but it is so
2: entertaining. Okay Like maybe Ah no I can't I don't know Jared's just too cultured for this
1: I, I'm just way too <laughs> cultured <watches> the best.
2: <laughs> There's probably one um, from I just can't remember I don't know
3: I'm. I'm really disappointed in you
2: right. I haven't
0: watched much lately That's for sure Like in years mm. Okay as far as trash TV shows go, I have to say I am a big fan of Supernatural. Shameless. I have been uh, since the second or third season. The first okay. five seasons were absolutely incredible. And then the uh, showrunner Eric Kripke, he left and it was okay for a uh, mm. season or, or season and a half. Um, there were parts of seasons nine and ten that were amazing. I, I haven't really paid attention past season 10 though but Supernatural was always a very it, it, it's definitely a guilty pleasure to go back and watch especially oh. the first four seasons of episodes that were just Jared's got one one ah. it,
2: it finally came to me I don't know how I could forget this heroes
3: oh, oh yes okay all right oh so yeah the first season
2: the first season
3: was so good and then it just like dropped <laughs> off a cliff did you watch the very last one no, the Heroes Reborn or whatever. Ugh. No, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> for for no, some miracle, me and Willie watched
3: every episode. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you guys were dedicated. Uh, <laughs> but with Supernatural, the first five seasons are great. Yeah. And, yeah, the moment Eric Kripke left just...
0: Yeah, Again, season six only had, like, a few really good episodes, oh. season, and then season seven was, like, eh, season eight, eh, season yeah, nine. Yeah, I, I watched,
3: I watched like, midway into season seven before I was just like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs>
0: Dude, there are a few episodes, there's, like, a five-episode span, somewhere in season nine or season ten, I can't remember which, that are absolutely fucking incredible. Fuck, uh, it, but it's, like, it's so, it, you're right, right season Rob. seven, season right, eight, Rob. throw them out the window. They're just, like, you can't get through that to get to the good stuff. On the spot, favorite episode of Supernatural. On the spot right now. Uh, the second to last. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, and when I say second to last, I mean second to of last season, season five. Five. Okay. <laughs> like, right. yeah. Uh, uh, two minutes to midnight, I think it is, yeah, where Dean Really, really good episode. Yeah. Oh, um, my God.
3: The first episode of season four.
0: Okay. Castillo. Oh, oh, whoa, what Castillo? Oh, so Dean's going through the thing, and he's like in the the diner, they're, and then they're, they're trying to an figure out what the hell blows happened. Blows up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And
3: gotcha. the like one of the best lines in in all of TV. What are you? I am an angel of the Lord. Like, boom.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. So good. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so. I think we have we have one last question to get to. This is from the legendary green team. Uh, check them out if you haven't. Uh, it's a group of Legendarium patrons who have started their own kind of um, podcast under the umbrella of the Legendarium covering books the main show hasn't covered. But they ask, how do you keep away burnout? And my answer to that is it's schedule. It is just commit to a schedule. Uh, one of the things we have done really, really well on this show uh, that I'm, honestly, I'm proud of. We we recorded a backlog of episodes. We're like, all right, this is our buffer. If we have emergencies come up, you know, whatever happens, we can we can skip a week here and there recording because we have episodes ready to go. But we don't allow ourselves to say, like, life is too much whatever like i'm just not going to do this for a month and a half it's yeah. we we made a schedule we committed to it and we have stuck with it we have we got to a point where we burned through the buffer because of you know things like deaths in the family and sickness and and stuff like that over the last 2 years but we we also when we got to the end of that buffer we were like all right let's rebuild it and we buckled down and we had an insane 3 weeks this last fall when we were doing our Rhythm of War episodes we were we were recording our Rhythm of War and our Oathbringer episodes we read those books at the same time there's a reason why I'm kind of burned out on Sanderson right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah but we it was freaking quite did the it. achievement I think yeah we did all of Oathbringer all of Rhythm of War and our Dawnshard episode in the span of like four weeks and rebuilt that buffer. And so it's the, the ability to have um, different things on the plate. We've done a really good job of not, um, even when we're doing the Wheel of Time or, or Stormlight or something, we're tossing in a Patreon requested book in the middle of it, or, or we're taking a little break to to cover a trilogy or something, you know, like we did the Witcher in the middle of the Wheel of Time, we did Dune, we did. Uh, Chronicles of Amber in the middle of Mistborn and Stormlight. Uh, we did Stormfront in the middle of the Black Company. Things like that, keeping it fresh and committing to the schedule.
0: Yeah, no, no. I, I, as far as uh, I go, I would say this. This might not be particularly helpful, but have a job that allows you long hours of doing whatever you want to do in terms of listening, because I have a very um, I have a position as a, as a welder, especially as a senior welder, uh, training others in the shop that I can spend long hours on myself uh, just listening to books. I mean, for uh, for Stormfront, I covered that book in, like, one and a half shifts. So I, it was, like, Tuesday at noon that I, fi- that I finished that book. Yeah. You know? Uh, w- when I have 20, 30 hours of reading to do, I can just seriously do it on audiobook, and I can cover that book in three, four days easily. So, for me, being able to cover a huge part of our reading, and it helped a lot in the end of The Black Company, being able to listen to the audiobook and have a job that's somewhat monotonous so that you can actually pay attention and listen to a book. It's, it's, it's doing two jobs at once. It it's is. It really is. doing the podcast at the same time for those few hours, and so it's very efficient. Yeah.
3: So... That brings us to our final announcement, our final giveaway for this episode. And this one I think is gonna get a lot of people interested. It is once again, Brandon Sanderson, but it's not just one book. We have a full set of Mistborn Era 1 trade paperbacks, signed, ready to go, ready to ship to your mailbox. All you gotta do is once again, you know, tweet at us, message us on Facebook, Instagram, email, whatever. Tell us your favorite Cosmere character. Once again, uh, your name will go into the hat. Random number generator will pick the winner, and we will ship those straight to you in you in the U.S. or Canada. Uh, there is also an extra little surprise that will be in this one. So, uh, yeah, if if you're if you're torn between putting your name in the hat for, you know, uh, just one of them. I don't know why you would should probably <laughs> get in on both, but uh yeah, might
0: as but well. if you're going to choose
3: well. one, this is the one to choose. Uh, it, it is it is pretty pretty cool. Um and and on that note, I think that brings us to the final draft.
0: Unless you have any uh, favorite moments right. that you want to talk about from the last 100 episodes or so oh
3: my gosh just favorite podcast
0: moments just just favorite moments from the past 100 episodes or so there was the time i dropped my beer glass and i shattered it all over my desk yeah that was we were starting an episode i i think that was like i, w- I want to say that was episode 20 or 21 for uh arcady martin's a memory called Empire.
3: okay no no i i got it it was it was when Rob Winchell was on for the Great Hunt. I can't remember if it was part one or part two, but when uh, the fire alarm went off in in uh, Pat's basement, <laughs> oh yeah, where yeah you know, we we had our little at the time the the house Pat was living in, we we had a little studio set up down there, and the fire alarm went off in the middle of our episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah was a I hard. was. Uh, that was my next point. The, the time the fire alarm interrupted us. And I like, yeah, I, I said I wanted to say it was during a Wheel of Time episode. Uh, that, was, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and we turned yeah. it into an extended Taco Bell break. Yep, 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 yep. That was also the time that you guys had Taco Bell delivered like 30 minutes into recording. I had the, the next point right here. And we waited like 10 minutes for you guys to stuff your faces with tacos. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Yep, I remember that. Uh, losing the Shadow Rising Part 1. No, that's not a good at that. No, no. that's Come on. Some <laughs> no. It's such a valuable learning moment, though. Oh, didn't Except it? apparently we didn't learn from it. <laughs> <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> you didn't learn from it. Come on. Let's not point fingers.
3: <laughs> well, no, no. It, it was a learning experience. Uh, I, yeah. There's just a different learning experience with water sleeps. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Jeez. Um,
0: how about the asshole conversation? Oh, in the Great Robin Hunt Winchell? Part One.
3: Yes. I think we may have set a, a Guinness part, World Record for most times using the word asshole in uh, in like a five I think it was minute like period. 15
0: times in a period of two minutes. It was great. <laughs> it was great. Oh man. Yeah, and hey, the moment that I got Rhythm of War as an ARC, like I, that wasn't on it. Like I was, it was strictly due to this podcast. But I can't help but smile like an idiot when I remember that stupid fucking dance I did, th- like through and down the driveway when the file came in, and it really sunk in that I was going to be able to read that book right now. That was awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. The so, whole Crossroads of Twilight episode for me. That was oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Alright, alright, here, here you go.
3: Crossroads of Twilight episode. Uh, obviously, uh, Pat was on and his sister Anna and and their father Gene, my uncle. Yes. Who was a great guest in insightful you know, analysis and everything. Fell asleep for like Forty-five seconds in the middle of the episode, and then <laughs> and then I asked him a question. And he like snapped awake and immediately like, didn't even miss a beat. Like, <laughs> hang on,
0: that happened. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Crossroads, no Twilight.
2: Man. What do you expect?
3: <laughs> it's like the most perfect I didn't even, expression of that book of the Wheel
0: of Time. <laughs> you have to be shitting me right now. I didn't even. I am that. not. I am oh, not beautiful. Okay, so you have to tell me what like where that was at the end of this episode. I oh, s- I don't remember. Oh it my was, god! All I, right, mean, well, it was I know a what ways was in because It was a long to episode. To tomorrow you know. I'm at work, yeah. Okay.
3: But but man, that was that was so good. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> it was like he was listening. Like he he must not have been fully asleep. Yeah, he was just like, oh, I'm gonna do the old Bilbo baggage. I'm gonna rest my eyes. And then I <laughs> and I I didn't notice, but I asked him something, and as I looked over at him, his eyes were closed, and they just snapped open. And he, Didn't miss a beat, just like, boom, 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 you know. (laughs) Perfect. Nice.
0: Well, okay, final draft, final draft. Yeah. Rob, what are you drinking? So I have been drinking a whole buttload of water, but since we were on the uh, subject earlier of regretting drinking liquor for certain toasts, I have been drinking a solid portion of Stolignaya. hmm Well, vodka. Yeah, no, straight up, you know, normal vodka. And, um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't have anything else to say about that. It's just vodka, and it sucks, but I'm doing it.
2: I don't know that I've had vodka since college.
1: Ooh. Good call.
3: Yeah, I I had a bad experience Um, with vodka my freshman year of college. Um, Green apple, Schmiernauf. Haven't been a big vodka (laughs) fan since, believe it or not. I can't blame you. <laughs> Pat, what are you drinking?
1: I've been drinking more of the uh, the red wine. Oh, nice. Uh, the Livingston? That I enjoyed so much. The Livingston. Yes! Sorry.
2: You are a gentleman and a Check scholar.
1: <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> I knob I with the best. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, I went with Old Reliable Coffee Kolsch from Husk Mm-hmm. Oh, the coffee colch. You've had that before. You've yeah, it, uh, uh, which has taken over its spot in my top five favorites. I think.
3: Yeah, Jared, you. Uh, next time we hang out, you need to. You need to
2: bring a six pack of that. You you'll definitely like it for yeah. sure.
3: Yeah. Well, I. uh I have been drinking a hazy India Pale Ale, a, a New England style India Pale Ale. From fat orange cat, and uh, <laughs> and this one is a, a little meta. I'm 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 not going to say I've never done this, but I'm also going to say that I don't always do this. I'm I'm not Ernest Hemingway. This beer is called Write Drunk, Edit Sober.
0: Oh <laughs> shit! Well, there lies my philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Coming ways oh, that's
3: brilliant. I I will I'll just say it straight out. The first story I ever got published, hundred percent that. I was super pissed off, raging drunk, wrote a story. <laughs> Three days later, I revisited it sober and was like, "This is actually pretty good. Let me let me clean yeah. this up." Like,
0: <laughs> I have to admit right now that I like this. The fact that I had sh- the, the stoli halfway through this, I am so thoroughly regretting this now because I can barely pronunciate. <laughs> pronunciate, <Enunciate>. huh? Pronunciate <laughs> is what I was looking for. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but Perfect. Uh, I mean, case in point, right there. I'm just like, ah. I was very, very stoked to have this episode through, but now I've, I've had enough and I feel like bedtime is nigh. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. Well, uh, on that note, this has been a special celebration episode of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Um, man, it, it's,
2: been, it's been a hell of a night. Uh, <laughs> it's turned into a beast. It has it all, turned into a beast, but
3: it, of yes. course it was going to. Uh, you know, we, we hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Uh, We do bonus episodes like these of varying lengths. They're not always, you know, two plus hours long, but uh, we do bonus episodes every month that we post on Patreon. And we also post our own original fiction, uh, Rob and I do, uh, that you can get access to. So you don't have to depend on, you know, hearing us do a live reading, stumbling over our words every once in a while, like, you know, realizing that we had typos in there uh which i certainly did um uh but yeah you can you can check that out on patreon so yeah uh as always i have been your host drew mccaffrey with me as my co-host rob santos right here and our special guest and sound engineer pat mccaffrey
1: it's been a pleasure
3: and i am not going to call him the supreme overlord jared livingston (laughs)
2: I
0: guess it's still
2: good
3: to be
0: here. A hundred episodes, gentlemen. What a hundred episodes of this we've done. Are,
2: aren't we coming up on the two-year anniversary of the first episode? Uh,
3: we are. I believe the first episode went public uh, just about a week from
0: now, two years ago. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very nice gentleman. So. All right. As always,
3: thanks. Thank you for Thanks listening, you guys. See you later. and we'll catch you next time. See Bye. you
2: guys.
0: Everyone.